This is Ed McGinnis at New York Comic Con. Listen to America. <laughs> 11 America. 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock comics. Did you, did you do it from the beginning? Yep, hold on. <laughs> I won't look. This is Ed McGinnis. Listen to 11 o'clock. <laughs> I'm like having a Mike Tyson this moment. Gold. This is gold, man. One more time. <laughs> Definitely going to make the outtakes real. That's going right in the beginning. <laughs> This is Ed McGinnis. Listen to the 11 o'clock comics podcast. And I won't eat your children. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's the sound of Wednesday right there. That is. No, I didn't even bring a drink. I was so excited for this week. Oh, shit. I, I, I have nothing. I there forgot. There has to be a sink somewhere nearby that you can get your drink. A turlet. Like Dave and to talk about. So you got time. And for the mics. It would be really, how long can a Dave Hunt conversation go through? Both, both well, issues. Well, depends on who's, who's huh? having a conversation yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Captain Rick. Oh, yeah. I can nice. change the conversation. We can talk about profit. We can talk about anything you want. I mean, oh, Christ. Dave, we got to talk about Wits End. Oh, my God. Did you see that? Yeah, I have. I'm it's, so I, on it. I only had to wait, what, 30 years of my life for everything I always wanted to come out in, the, in a decent quality. I know. It's all coming out. You remember the days where when something came out, the, the reality of it was you may never see this again. True. E- true. Ever. Ever. That's exactly like, right. Walking around with pulpy, already dying paper going, this is it. This is this is it. If I get rid of this, it's not going to be around. Right. I'm going to have to find this form, and it, it'll, and now it's like, you know, people complain about today comics or whatever, and the glory days being gone and everything. But glory you know, days. If, if ever a day, if ever a time to be into comics, it's now because you can read everything. Yeah, but that could also be the problem too, because they're collecting everything stuff that would be better. That. Some that better would be better off, like not. Revived, well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you make a good point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's wonderful to have all these things at our fingertips, but some of them, they should stay buried. You like valiant? They well, should stay. Yeah. No, not valiant. <laughs> wow, man, you're harsh. I was listening to No Apologies, and you know, you know, Campbell's on that, and of course, he's he's King Valiant, and uh, his co-hosts were just just destroying him about Valiant this past week. Like, I mean. <laughs> Just about how you know the, the books just don't sell, and they're like, you know, they they got to be close to being out of business and stuff. Oh, oh my god, it's a real shame though. Those great books. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I agree, but they're struggling to get. Yeah, you know, it, they're kind of dull. I think that's what you know. They're 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 missing something editorially. I I think they're not pushing for enough punch, but then it's not the day of the editor. You know, the editors just hire these creators and they do what they want. I'd love to be behind the scenes to see what happens. I mean, in the old days, somebody would have got up and go, God damn it. We got to make these things punchier. You understand me? Yep. I don't think that happened. Well, I guess there was somebody some, meaning uh, Jim some Shooter. Chatter, some, yeah. Some chatter at New York comic con about how they, uh, they don't, you know, the dynamite got the gold key. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's kind of like, Obviously, how, did they, how did they lose that? How do you lose? How does Valiant lose Doctor Solar? Wouldn't they muster all their power to get Doctor Solar? I mean, come it's on, true. they have one job to do: get Doctor Solar in Valiant. 
Dynamite uh, is the hospice of the comic book industry. I was going to say, once apparently, they, Dynamite's <laughs> willing to spend money that most the companies don't think you can make make money. You can, what, no, once you go Dynamite, to Dynamite, go ahead. Yeah, the, no, I'm saying Dynamite's willing to spend money on these licenses that uh, that other publishers, I think, uh, Valiant included, just don't see how they can make money off of it. Right. But so. they're not doing anything with them. What, what, I, what I meant was they're, they're killing them. You go to well, Dynamite, it's like the kiss ever. of death. No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 288. We're getting up there. And I am Vince B. Yes, you are, sir. And I'm Christopher Neesman. Hey, Chris Neesman's back. I am David Price. <laughs> hey, David Price is back. And me amo la mano del destino. Oh, you read them? He did read them. I'm kidding. You are not la mano del destino, and that means the hand of destiny for all you Spanish, non-Spanish speaking people out there. That's not who you are. You're Jason Wood. And we have, oh my goodness, we have a guest this week. You know him as the mastermind of the mighty monster magnet who has a new album next Tuesday, Dave. Last Tuesday. Last, last Tuesday. Tuesday. Last yep. Tuesday, The Last Patrol came out. I, I hope that the title is not, you know. <laughs> foreboding. In, foreboding or indicative. Mm. Of, yeah. With awesome, awesome cover art by uh, John Sumrau. I love the cover of this thing. Anyway, Monster Magnet, Dave Windorf is here with us this week. Yeah, I'm we, so excited to be here, you guys. You have no idea. It's been a long time yeah. coming, dude. We you are real. I mean, you, you, you were one of the first vocal fans, listeners of uh, of Bullpen Bulletin. So that, I mean, that, that's True. just. I mean, no pun, no pun intended. Vocal. It, <laughs> well, no pun intended. No, it was. I. No, I, I just, yeah, no, it, it, it's great. I mean, we've talked, we've, I think you've talked to all of us on the phone, but to finally have you on the show, it's, it's big doings for me. Is this, the, is this really the first time he's been on? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Really? We just got classy. Oh. Like our pinky in the air kind of classy. And I got, pu- I got pushy. That's right. Actually, well, also, this is what I got pushy. this is what it took to get Chris back on the show. Oh boy. Oh, I was on for one week. By the way, in all seriousness, I have to give Chris a tremendous amount of credit because the first game of the World Series is going on right now, and his beloved Cardinals are in it, and he's here with us, which is saying something. Uh, no, no, I think it, that's saying something about with. his affection for the guest. It's not us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it I, is I, not I, us. I agree, And the fact that they're kind of getting their asses kicked. So I'm, uh, I'm going to be okay and <laughs> watch the TV here for a little while. So. And you, I don't suppose it's completely off his radar, you know what I mean? Right, I mean we can't right. see his eyes, can we? <laughs> yeah. look in the eyes. And no, you know but, what? You don't have to be on a power trip to get deep discounts on your favorite oh, funny books. Telling <laughs> me already with the puns. With your favorite funny books and collectibles, all you have to do is go to your web browser and type in www.dcbservice.com, and you will be hit in the face with massive discounts, such as. From our buddies at Dark Horse and our pal Dave Wachter, it's The Breath of Bones, A Tale of the Golem hardcover, written by Steve Niles, who, if you don't know, is going through some wicked trouble right oh, yes. right about now. He's all flooded out, and they're, they're doing benefits and stuff for him. So get your asses out there and buy this. I don't know if he's going to get much from it, but it'll be something. So Breath of Bones, Tale of the Golem, cover price fourteen ninety nine. your price $7.49. Unbelievable. Yeah, from IDW. It's that, that Parker guy, Richard Stark, Parker Slayground hardcover by Darwin Cook. 
the master. Seventeen ninety nine cover price. What are you getting it for? Eight dollars and ninety nine cents. That's like the price of a floppy these days. My mind is blown, just blown. I can't. The discounts are killing. You're me. never going to get them this cheap anywhere else. Never. And for Marvel, and I have to clarify, it is not twelve hundred pages for the Marvel Muppets Omnibus. It is closer to five hundred pages, uh, which which makes no. It was a typo, dude. I didn't get it wrong. 1,200 pages. <laughs> I was very vocal about it, though, but it's more like 500 pages, which makes this pretty much a done deal. Cover price, forty nine ninety nine. Your price, $24.99 for 500 pages of beautiful Roger Langridge and others art. Amazing. Do it. If you're a first-time customer, you can enter the code that David will tell you into the slot and get an extra 8% off your already massively discounted order. David, tell them the code right now. Right now, it's EOC8. EOC8, three letters and a number, gets you an extra 8% off. They do not mind late orders or order additions and get your previews far less than the cover price. You get it for $1.12. Do it. DCBService.com. Get get there. I shop there. Yes, you do. Every month. It, it's kind of the highlight of my month, really. You know, <laughs> it, it just makes sense. Let's really pay up that rock god um, uh, mythos, there, Dave. Say again. Let's really play up the rock god mythos there yes, about how the, the highlight of your fucking month is buying comic books. Let's face it. There's only a couple places you can go that grown men can go, where really. <laughs> Nothing's ever really wrong. You know, at the world of comics, there may be a lot of problems with it, but when you're there by yourself, there's nothing wrong. You're, you're right just about that. there. You and it's the really like heroin in that way. And nobody can <laughs> Oh, I mean. It's very, it's well, what's worse than heroin. You know, it's more expensive. I like the way you think, Dave. It's true. It's unspoiled, and it goes on, you know? And you can always go back to it, too. And I do, all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. Uh, I've traveled the world with hardcovers, like paying extra baggage by carrying <laughs> books around me because I just wanted to be around my stuff. I want that there. Well, you were telling me one time that you actually bought a trunk full of books one yeah, time. Yeah, just ship a trunk around with me. Uh, Dave. I my library because, I, you know, it's like, I, I don't care. I'm in Czechoslovakia. Guess what I got? <laughs> it out, you know? And I'm not showing this to anyone. I'm showing it to myself. Comics rule. You're a shower, not a grower, Dave. Oh boy! <laughs> where is the um? Where where have been some of your most fun comic shops? Oh, there's oh, there's a lot of good ones out. I mean, one of the one of the most fun ones I can't remember the name. Of it, it's in Paris, and it's it's not an American style comic shop. It's all French and Spanish comics. You, you can imagine, you know, those big, big and volumes, yeah. it's like Barnes this and A stuff. The display, yeah, right. The display. The amount of respect for sequential art is amazing. I mean, you walk in this place and it's like, mm-hmm. well, they finally did it. You know, I, I, I'm having some sort of like weird dream of the future where things are good and uh, utopian future. Amazing. I mean, just to see the display of it. In America, there's tons of good comic shops. There's a really good one in Burbank called, I think it's called House of Mystery. Mm. And yes, uh, yes. It's small. But the guys know what they're talking about. Oh, it's House of Secrets. House of Secrets. No, they're related. Yeah. House of Secrets. And uh, <laughs> really, really good. Nice. Ain't enabled, baby. Meltdown in L.A. is pretty good. I've heard that. Yeah. I'd like to get, to get that sometime. Yeah. Check it out. There's a lot, and a lot of uh, 
comic guys go there and do their shopping there. So you're mm-hmm. hanging around. You're kind of in a crowd of people that knows what they're talking about, um, which is fun. A good conversation on the floor. Well, that I mean, and you're a you're a Jersey guy, so you're right there. You know, you and you and Jason are basically uh, neighbor-ish. And yeah. So you know, East Coast is kind of known for having. You know, you're you're kind of there, the the heart of it. So I imagine that you guys have plenty of plenty of decent comic shops around you. Yeah. You know, uh, what Red Bank? Dude? I'm in Red Bank. So Jay and Silent Bob is close. I live about three blocks away from there. So that's. I was gonna say you hang out with Kevin Smith. Yeah, I'll go in there, and that, that's where I buy my new comics when I buy them off the uh, off the shelf, uh, which is rare these days. I mean, but uh, uh, I go in there just to look, you know, look. I have one comic from there. Uh, my wife and I were down for some reason. We were down in Red Bank. I don't know what for. And we, it was a nice day. We out. We're doing like doing a little window shopping. Had a nice lunch, and I'm like, oh, we should go check out. You know, Jay and Silent Bob's over in town. So I walked in, and uh, you know, just more kind of just get a vibe for the place. But I ended up buying um, the Avengers Annual Number Sixteen. Bonus points to anyone who could tell me why that's a significant issue. Sixteen, you said? Well, yes. Isn't that the the uh, not Rogue's first appearance? It, that's it is very good, Chris. Is there? Oh, it is. Okay, yes, that's a that's a Michael Golden art. Yeah, that's why I I, you know, as you know, I collect first appearances. So nice. they had one up on the wall, and I I bought it just to just that. To, like, I, the place. I I saw that is going to be collected in the next Uncanny X Men omnibus that uh, continues the the Burn Claremont run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I saw that too. Though. Well, that's a good one. I've been waiting for that one. Yep, and they're gonna they're gonna have that that annual in there because that's uh, um, uh, predates Rogue joining the X Men, so it's all kind of wrapped up in that that time period. So nice. that's cool. That's a good issue, man. Oh all yeah, the, yeah. All, all the golden stuff from that period is just amazing, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Micronauts, God, all four all four issues of it. Yep. I, I know, I know. It's like, wow. he didn't do but enough. It was followed up by Pat Broderick. So there's nothing wrong there. Rodrick's amazing. Underrated guy. Very, yep. very underrated. Love his love his Captain Adam. Love his Firestorm. Love his Micronauts. Yeah. Uh, Don't forget so, Lords so, of the Ultra so, Realm. Lords of the Ultra Realm. Yeah. He finished. He did the uh, third sort of the Adam special. Um, yeah. No. I, I'm. I. I follow him on Facebook, and, and I'm always looking at his updates. And he, he still his commissions are are. They are very. They blow the doors off of most of the commissions we've seen at conventions. Is that right? Is he pricey? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I yes. think so. He is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. Yes. Well, you well, get what you pay for, it, right? Of it. Yeah. yeah. Old by the way, are we not drinking this week here? Or is that oh, well, sorry. I'm not. Sorry. I'm off, my, I'm off my game. I take a week off, and, and I'm all messed up. Um, yes. Um, so, Jason, why don't you start us off, since you're... Mr. Drinkity Drink Drink. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm surprised at myself, but, uh, they were sitting in my, in my fridge and rather than grabbing a, a Miller Lite, which is what I drank last week, because I figured Chris wouldn't yell at me since he wasn't here, um, <laughs> I grabbed, uh, some Guinness Stout, so I'm, I'm having a couple Guinness for the evening. Well, there you go. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Price, how about you? Uh, I am drinking some besieged blend of Old Vine, California, red wine. And this is uh, this is actually what Jason and I had at his mm-hmm. place. David it was does, damn good. David yes, does love his grape. Well I figured good. I'd bring the grape back for, for our guest. 
Nice. And uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Vince, how about you? I'm not drinking anything. I I forgot. Yeah, like I said, no, I just I was excited and I forgot to grab something to drink. Get the guy a glass of water. For yeah, really. Things. No, I'm, I'll I'll grab something when David talks because that'll give me about five ten minutes to get downstairs and come back. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Windorf is our guest. Uh, are you uh, you having uh, a beverage this evening? Yeah, I'm drinking a, a, a large cold Seven Eleven coffee. Nice. <laughs> Because Seven Eleven coffee, really, I and mean, they really upped their game in the last couple of years. All right. Are they? It's cheap. Yeah, it's really good. It's the way they don't put it on the burners anymore. It doesn't get burnt. Anyway, I've discovered that Seven Eleven regular roast cold mm-hmm. is uh, a, a magnificent drink. It's <laughs> completely under everybody else's radar. I can't see why. Um, I discovered it, and uh, and now I I buy it in advance and let it cool room temperature. I'm I'm gonna admit that. Uh that sounds terrible. It's really <laughs> Go ahead, laugh. Go ahead. Sorry, yeah, okay. You can have your micro bruise and your you can left coffee cold. You go into Dave's house and you see on the on the counter like twelve large seven eleven coffees just yeah. in very in various stages of cooling. Yeah. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> it's not ready yet. It's not ready. Well, I'm. I, I guess I'm having a craft beer. It's uh one of my favorites. It's from uh, New Glarus. It's their uh, their Spotted Cow, which uh, here in the uh, the Chicago land area and then into southern Wisconsin is a uh, a beer of of legendary status. So it's just a really nice session. Oh, dash it. Yep, loves the Spotted Cow. So there you go. There's your drink roll call, drink roll call for this week. Nice. I got a big thank you, and it's probably something we'll talk about later. Oh man! Oh, oh my God! So you're good, gonna thank, but I think so you're gonna thank. Good, dude. It's so good. Yeah, I have to it's thank. So well, good. well, it sounds we have to thank Mr. Tom Sholey. Oh hell for, yeah! For um, a weekly thanks. Probably. I know, and it's it's so thick and meaty. Seriously? Yeah, oh, I haven't it's finished like, it. Have you guys read it yet? I haven't finished it. Oh I yeah, just, it's, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm soaking in every page. It's it's crazy. And we are talking about uh, Tom's Final Frontier comic, which, which is amazingly well done and a whole lot of fun, loaded with characters, and he sent us copies of our very own. So thank you, Mr. Scholey. So it yeah, is. We, it always, we always forget to tell people where they can find this stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is, am, you can find it at tomscholey.com, which is S, well, Tom, S-C-I-O-L-I.com, or Ambarb, as in American Barbarian, A-M-B-A-R-B dot com, and they both have prominent links to all this stuff. And for reals, people, we don't just rave about this stuff because it's our buddy, and it's really good, and, it's really you know, good. it's Man. not, it's, it's definitely in that, in that, um, like it's, it's self-made, and it's, uh, you know, and, and I would imagine a lot of stores, unfortunately, don't, don't carry it. Um, you know, probably your, your, like your great, you know, uh, major city stores, like, you know, places like, uh, like Good we were town. just talking about earlier, like Meltdown or like an isotope or places you probably do, but oh, if you're, I, yeah. if you're many other places and you can't get it, you just, you definitely need to go to the web. And the other great thing about, uh, Mr. Sholey's magnificence is that it's, uh, it's on the web too, so you can try it before you buy it. You can, right. you can, you can peruse it to see if it's something that you're up, up for, but. But what I'm, the- I'm telling you, the what the Satan Soldier stuff was was really neat and out there, and you could just you know just kind of almost like stream of consciousness art. It was kind of like Tom's weird dreams kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and, and which on its own merits is is fun and cool and very avant. This 
is fucking awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is this. It, this is part of two of the best weeks I've had in comics in probably a couple of years, and it was just a perfect, a perfect end to a couple really good weeks. It is Tom has this way of having total reverence and 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 giving like this this huge love letter to 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 Kirby and you know Silver Age comics and you can just tell that there is an immense love for them but there's also this kind of wink and nod to the silliness of them that he also embraces, oh, sure. yes. but he makes fun of it at the same time. I mean, there's the heroin needle. I mean, come on. Dude. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's not overt fun. It's like accepting and embracing the absurd. Of right. it. Yes. Exactly. You know, which is what makes those comics so great. You know, well, he right. gets it. He totally gets it. You well, know, when you think well, about it, in though, those, in those, in those uh, Silver Age comics, you know, Stan wasn't always like factually correct about stuff, especially no, whenever it came to like world politics or even geography. There is a, a cipher for Fin Fang Foom in here, and, mm-hmm. and I'll just read it. Um, it says, uh, Kimono, and it's not Komodo, it's Kimono Dragon, uh, uh, capricious defender of the nation of Asia has awakened from his lair beneath Tokyo's Great Wall of China. The nation of Asia. And then he proceeds to use the Great Wall of China as a whip. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, you know, everybody knows that the Great Wall of China is in Tokyo. Well, yeah, but I mean, not, not only that, but that the Great Wall of China would break. If somebody used it as a whip. But like, the beauty of that is, like, and I wonder if people, like, the beauty of that, knowing Tom, is that he is playing off the fact that these comics were originally made in such a racist, uned, you know, like they were so yellowistic and racist that he's poking fun at that in a way that you kind of have to be in on the joke to get, which I love, right? Right. Like, which is that, you know, they were, they were, like, you know, in comics, they, they, like, any Asian character was just oriental. They were the Orientals, you know what I mean? That like, and 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 in most people's worldviews and those creators back then, they would have thought that China and Japan were basically the same thing. Yes. And I love that he's <coughs> aware of that to a point where he's making fun of it. And it, but it's it's I just think it's so brilliantly done. It's yeah. so smart. My favorite is uh, Robot Dracula. Who's, oh, who's not a robot? Doom, of course. Yeah, he he's a cybernetic organism or a, what what is he called? A cybernorg. And that's how about the Silver Surfer analog, the, who's purple and he's and he's flying on basically an upside down uh, a flip flop. Yeah, it's his skiff. <laughs> but I'm I'm really tempted skiff. to see if that three. I know pro, Tom probably didn't do true 3D, but I have 3D glasses here, and I'm I'm really tempted just to look at this stuff in the 3D to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, because I'm you, Dave, you've got to get a hold of this because you will freaking love every second of yeah. this. Oh, I've got oh show. Yeah. But you know well, what? Likes good comics, so. Put it put it into perspective. It, the fact that Tom is kicking out all these great books a mere eight months, ten months after making a proclamation that pretty much broke our hearts. Yeah, yeah. that that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because sure. there there was a time when when well, I mean he he's he's had a massive turnaround of enthusiasm and yep. and and I think um, a more healthy a healthier outlook on what he's doing because. The guy is, I mean, he's so good and he just keeps getting better and better with every project. And he, he, he's made a career where he can have his fun with Satan Soldier and throw it down and just 
do whatever he wants, and then he can kick out something like Final Frontier, which is in the kind of Freedom Force style he did with yeah. Image. It's it's not like Godland. I mean, it's in the same bowling alley as Godland, but it's not on the mm-hmm. same lane. You know what I mean? Freedom Force is m- more in tune with this um, Final Frontier. But I think in the future, like people aren't going to be born. Tom Scholey's going to draw them. That, that's how good he is. Well, dude, here's the thing, and it's like it's awesome to see the karma because you know he he as you alluded was was real frustrated about the business and 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 displacing it and all that stuff. And he he's you know he he kind of had what was it a couple days later, maybe a week later, he kind of came out and said ah you know yeah I, I didn't I, I didn't, didn't want to go into but, it, but but to your point, not only is he putting out stuff that he loves, which he's really always done, right? I mean, with American right, Barbarian, right. Godland, but. But now he's finally getting a, like what I consider to be a big book. I mean, I mean, GI yeah. Joe versus Transformers is yeah. is a big. That's a big. I mean, that's a real big opportunity for him on it's, a commercial. There's standpoint. a built-in like, audience. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I think that's also gonna. I think that's gonna rein him in a bit and and kind of uh, force him to do thinking that he normally that he wouldn't do. On his creator own so. stuff. I so hope it does not rain a man. I hope he takes the whole thing right over the cliff. Yeah, me too. <laughs> no, see, no, but see, I know what you guys are saying in spirit, but I actually disagree with you there because, again, I, I, I want a guy like Tom, much like our buddy like Tony Fleece or, or many other creators that we've become friendly with, I want him to be able to pay the bills. You know, he, he wants to pay the, like, he wants to make a living in comics and, and, and the easiest way to keep putting out stuff like Final Frontier and American Barbarian is to be able to pay the bills. And right. getting a book like G.I. Joe Transformers that has Hasbro money behind it uh, and you know can sell 25,000 copies a month and then set him up on the con circuit to do tons of commissions and have people gobble up that artwork, that's going to pay the bills, and that's going to give him the freedom to do this stuff without worrying about putting the lights on. And so it's I, true. And if, he, I and if he wants free, to... I want him to do what David is saying, like find that happy medium where it's, it's right. true to his style, but it's in a way an homage to that the 80s goodness of those two comics that people like me and like you, Vince, and, and those of us who, who love those characters will, be, will buy this book and enjoy it on a much wider audience. Right. I want this well, to be more mainstream. And he can, always, he can always just make the, the, the Optimus Prime analog in his other books and right. drive them off the cliff. Dave, yes. did, didn't you didn't you talk to Chris Ryle in at New York Comic yeah, Con dude, about this? When I got and I, you know, I can't quote you, poor Chris, you'd probably listen to this. Like I never, you know, I wasn't supposed to say it. But my understanding of this and my original take of looking at this, which made me flip out, even <laughs> was that this isn't the GI Joe and the Transformers. This is Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos meet the Eternals. Wow, that's what this is coming. Wait a minute, you've seen pages. No. Oh. But I heard that. <laughs> uh, he hesitated. What I mean is that these are ciphers. Right. Sure, sure. I get, it, I get it, what you're saying. It's, it's the G.I. Joe as, it's, it's Sergeant Fury, as Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos, Kirby eyes, you know, the Kirby version as G.I. Joe and the Eternals as Transformers. Right. That's, so that's this is right way on. more cosmic than anyone could possibly imagine. And, and if it works, it's going to be the, the greatest, uh, like you know, head turning thing ever to take these two, basically, toy concepts. Yeah. Urbanize them. Well, Tom. It's, by the way, Tom, sales, I know you're listening. Wise, it's a huge risk. I think it would be fantastic. Tom, you're. I know you're listening. Dibs on at least a page or two. I already got dibs. I, I yeah, as soon as does. as soon as they announced it, Vince doesn't have art. Please, Vince has no original art dibs. He's all talk. For Sholey, no, I have he dibs. He does, bro. I <laughs> I sent him a message. I said, any page you do with Scorponok on it is mine. 
And yeah, I wrote that. You can have the Scorpionock. What do I want with Scorpionock? <laughs> what do you mean, what do you want with wow. Scorpionock? He's awesome. He's just like awesome. Him. You dick. Dude, I want the one of, I want the one of freaking Firefly and Soundwave acting like bosses taking out something together. That's what I want. Taking out something together. I got, oh, I, I, I don't care what. I got your back well, with the Soundwave. So that's why I say I want the saboteurs to sabotage something. Ugh, Firefly. All right. It's funny. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Can't wait for that book. Yeah, I me can't too. can't wait to see. Like, just, like, like, wow, what a surprise. Like, happy surprise. He's a smart cat. He'll find a way to make a, a nice balance. Yeah, and Chris over at IDW is really, really psyched up about it. He's just like, this is, you know, he works in this comic book company, you know, at least from my standpoint, you know, that deals with half this exploding creativity and half, like, basically battening down the hatches on licensed property. Right, yeah. You don't get the opportunity to, to throw licensed property at, at such a wild creator, such as Sholey. I think it's a, it's, you know, this doesn't happen every day. I think it's a big deal for me, it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, anybody that knows, I mean, Tom is, uh, has turned into one of my favorite creators that, you know, whatever he's going to do, I know that Tom doesn't mail things in. You know, it's everything that he does, he's doing it for a reason and it's, it's really important to him. So he doesn't Mm -hmm. mail stuff in. But I mean, it's, it's kind of outlandish from, I I would assume from the, the vantage point of most comic fans. But when you think about it, it's really not because you look at the origins of, of uh, GI Joe at Marvel, uh, Herb Trimpey, there's not a whole lot of space between Herb Trimpey and Tom Scholey. You know they're 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 in that they're in the, of that same mold, uh, mm-hmm. and so I I don't see it being that outlandish. I mean he's going to do it up. He's going to mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, he's going to do a great job. Just want to all just stay tuned and watch. I'm really excited about it. You know yeah. I, I got excited about the GI Joe or the Transformers in like 20 years. And 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 if you're listening to this people and you're interested, do not wait for the trade. Buy the single issues. Yeah. If you like them, then buy the trade and then. Pawn off the single issues on somebody, but you gotta buy the single issues yeah. to let them know that this th- it's catching. You know, mm. you can't wait till issue issue six or seven and then just scoop the trade. Don't do it. Truth. Yeah. All right. What are we gonna talk about? Come on. There's Thanks. a whole world of stuff we can talk about tonight. Uh, no doubt. Let's let our guests start. Why not? Dave, what do you want? What do you want to chew uh, the fat uh-huh. on? Um, I, you know, I'll talk about anything. I mean, I'll interject on anything. I, I was, I was, I know that you guys were reading Battling Boy and I wanted to read it, but I was really busy and then my girlfriend swiped the book. <laughs> well, that's, um, I, I, I love your girlfriend. I, I just say she's a keeper. I, uh, she's beautiful and she's, she loves comic books and oh, that's awesome. she's the person I, who will read, you know, no matter what's going on, if she starts to read something, you can't pry it out of her hand. She, I saw her watch that, sit down and read. 36 issues of Transmetropolitan. It's wow. it just like, and like, get away from me. I don't want to see you. Oh, that's great. Like, wow. How I'm so turned on right now. That is hot. How did I, like, <laughs> I, I get this lucky? You know? Very, very true. I come and she's got my iPad. She's reading Profit. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Really? Really? It's coming called Profit. I was freaking out. So, anyway, so I didn't get to read Battling Boy. And I no, I haven't read it either, so. I I haven't and, and and the reason why I haven't is because the um the Kindle version looks yeah. like ass. It it wow. no it does and it yeah. and and what they do is whether you're reading it on the iPad or the Kindle Fire, they 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 force it to go landscape. 
so the pages are boo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know if, if First Second has an issue with Comixology or there's something going on. I can't, I would, ho- I would love to buy it from Comixology because I know I can read it real size, but mm-hmm. even, and, and even iBooks, it looks like it, it looks like a really shitty, poorly rendered PDF. Well, maybe the, the, the reasoning behind the decision to go landscape was because if you look at the proportion of the book, that's what it is. It, it's, it's squat. So there would be that's, dead, that's there, there would be dead space above but, and below. But, but they're forcing you to go two pages at a time. Yeah, if somebody got lazy. They should have reformatted. Oh, that's for, ridiculous. You know. They're two yeah. pages at a time? Yeah. The book is, see, the two tiny pages at a time. It's, it's so it's oh my, see, that's, that's my only problem with the book, and it's not really a problem, but if I had to name one thing I would change about Battling Boy, the pages are too small. The, the the size of the book is far too small for Paul Pope's art. If there's one criticism, you just nailed it because the how much was the book? It was fifteen ninety nine. Like twenty? Oh, okay. No, it's not cheap. Fifteen ninety nine. Um, hmm. Fifteen ninety nine. Is that it? Yep. Thought I saw it nineteen, but okay. No, yeah, it's twenty five dollars. That's oh, the hardcover. Fifteen ninety nine. Yes, the hardcover, which I'm holding. I, I didn't. 20, bu- I bought the the soft cover. I've got the, uh, the hardcover. Yeah, it's twenty four ninety nine, and it's not even comic sized. Right. It's not even like standard right. comic size. So it's, that was a little. It's, you know, it's some hipster size. These guys always. <laughs> like, hey, we're gonna make a size of a book that's and it's like you know something. You gotta step away from that. You gotta realize that this is a spectacular event. And stop right. getting, you know, step away from the hipster plate for a second. Yeah. yeah. Um, You're I, right. I mean, I mean, honest, why, why did, here, Dave Windorf, why did you buy Battling Boy? Because, uh, <laughs> Rika's in the hair, like, because I wanted it. No, because I love Paul Pope's art. Right. Because you bought it for the art. So why make it a fucking small book? It's true. Exactly. It's true. Because I think they're trying to sell him in, in a couple of different ways. They're not trying to sell him as just a comic book guy. They're trying to sell him as an arty guy. But, but doesn't but does it is for all, a second kind of do that though? It is an all ages book. Don't forget that. So yeah, they're they're they're, they're pricing it within the the reach. That's why there's two versions. There's a paperback and a hardcover because they want to price it within the reach of younger people. Yeah. So that that's that's I think that's the only the only nitpick I had yeah, it's because small. after that. It's fucking awesome. It is. It's, it's fantastic. It's so yeah. kinetic. And Let's not talk about it too much because I really want to get into it. I don't well, want to. Like, spoil the coloring is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It, it just looks, you want to take a bite out of this thing. It's like, if, if you not even read one word, it's like, I have to own this because it's like, you know, it's like a piece of food or something. It's so... <laughs> I, I can't. I can't wait to really get in and and talk about this with you guys. But there, it is such a it is such a mix of great comics um, that that we've read over the last few years, and just different feels. That, and it's not it's it's not a ton of straight homages, but there's just you can just tell you can feel some of the influences. I think personally, I think there's a lot of Adele Blancsec in this book. In just kind of how how odd it is. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Thor in this book. There's you know a lot of um, what feels like like Norse mythology. Uh, I think there's a lot of um, uh, Grant Morrison's Marvel Boy in this. Uh, there's it's there's a lot of 
really good comics that I think have tentacles that kind of made their way into this. And mm-hmm. it's all, but it's, you know, more than anything, it's all Paul Pope. And it's, it, 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 I, I think it's probably safe to say that, that at this point will probably be my 11 o'clocker for, for my, my favorite book this year. Damn. Uh, ah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. good. It's, it's great. Really I can't wait to get to read it. Yeah. He's got a yeah. way with his lines. The flow oh. of the lines are so seductive and they move. You know what I mean? He moves mm-hmm. in a, in a weird kind of way. Um, it moves the, the page along. Um, it, it, the Batman thing that he did was really, really amazingly well done. Oh, right. And, uh, and I think one of the joys of his line, for me, anyway, it, to, if I was a fly on his shoulder as he was creating these things, I could speak with authority, but I can't. But it it looks to me like nothing save like the basics is calculated. Like he's exactly. he's throwing this line down, and he's yeah. he's so damn confident and accomplished that every line looks great, looks perfect. Even even the stuff that he scumbles in the corner, you know, just yeah. ju- just to flesh out the panel. Even his like offhanded brushstrokes are just amazing. And they're and, and, all, and they're I for, they're all there for a reason. It's like he sees the blacks on the page before he even attack you know, his right. blacks is amazing. And it makes everything stand out and um, you know, yeah. He was at New York Comic Con and I, I really wanted to meet him, but he must have been only in the main was, area because yes, well, they had a throne set up. <laughs> they did, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and that's one of the reasons why I hate him. I mean, aside from the fact that he's young, good-looking, and like comic book rock star, I hate, I hate the guy because he's so damn good. Oh, he's so good. I want to be that good. Yeah, he's unbelievable. And and yeah, he, he, it's kind of scary looking. It's like wow. No wonder he doesn't do comics that often. He doesn't need to. He's off getting a blowjob. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of the rock star of, uh, of comic art. <laughs> but I love the fact that he's not, uh, he likes Marvel and yes. he likes old school comics. He comes in and does an inhuman story. That's a great inhuman story, you know, like a four page inhuman right. story. Yep. And it's a great story. It's a lockjaw story. Um, and it's all squiggly and weird and popey and. In its own way, it's so fresh, and it, 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 it fits fine with the original Marvel creation. So, you know, I could see that right next to a Kirby story, no problem. It's got that kind of enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Speaking of New York Comic Con, and, and these these jokers were there. They they went without me um, and talked about it last week. But you were you were there too. What was your uh, what was your NYCC experience <laughs> as a as a special <laughs> guest? I was a special guest, so I I uh, I was working. Wait, you were there. Why didn't we hook up? I was. I mean, I was there at this this booth uh, called the Metal Sucks booth. Metal Sucks, okay. which is a, a a blog zine and a magazine for heavy metal music. And uh, and uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in a psychedelic rock band, so I go wherever people will hear me. There's no psychedelic rock booth at them. <laughs> right, right. I was just gonna say, Monster Magnet's not metal. I mean, as far as I can, it's you know, loud music. Hey, it's metal. Yeah. So, but it was really good. But I was working, signing stuff. I didn't get a chance to go around the con or spend as much time as I nearly wanted to. But man, I haven't been to a big con like that. I don't think I've ever been to that kind of con before. It's By the way, the numbers are in, and it was officially as large as San Diego this year. Really? No, I believe it. On Saturday, yeah, hundred thirty thousand. Wow. Do you guys yeah. remember? And how many people were at the first New York Comic Con? Forty-five thousand, wasn't it? Forty thousand. Fifteen. Fifteen, really? Yeah, I was going to say twelve. Wow. Fifteen. Yeah. Wow, that's nuts. 
crazy, but, right? I mean, we just said something that, that intrigues me about uh, labels and, and tags and how, how art is defined. And we were talking about Paul Pope, and, and he's a pretty tough bloke to tag. I mean, he does everything. He does yes. 100%, and he'll do, you know, the stuff that he did for Vertigo and uh, the uh, imprint that was not Vertigo, but it might as well have been the one Transmet started off as. Helix. Yeah, Helix. Yeah, Helix. That's the one. And and then he'll go and do an Inhuman story. Uh, so the guy's hard to pin down. But Dave, uh, like when someone applies the, the 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 Stoner Rock tag to to Monster Magnet or the Metal tag, like what right. what how do, what do you feel when they do? Like how did you how do you define Monster Magnet? <laughs> I feel finished. I feel uh-huh. fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? How do you see yourself? What do you do? What does Dave Windorf do? It's well. It's a constant reminder of no matter what your intentions are. Eventually, it's, your intentions are going to be, uh, uh, you know, homogenized or somehow compartmentalized and sold as something else. Right. Something easy for it's part of the world. You know, um, uh, what I do is I shake it off and I go, okay, yeah, you call it whatever you want. Uh, I'll get my day when I get to look at the people who listen to my music in the eye, and I'm in a room with them, and then there's nobody that can can, can uh, misrepresent me. You know, right. that's why I love touring so much. You actually get to bring your art and think about it. Rock and roll is an amazing art form. Um, it's loud. People can't talk over you. If they come in the room, they're in the room to see it. They, it's like the only, I think it's the only art form where you really are like, Aah! you know, you have to listen to me. I always feel for, for cartoonists and all these guys that bust their ass and do all this great stuff and they just have to sit back and listen to people talk shit about them all the mm-hmm. time um so i do I'm, I'm lucky that i get to go out and and see people that really get it you know um as far as the other stuff misrepresentation it's the way of the world and the world ain't fair and it's getting less fair as it goes mm-hmm. <laughs> you think with internet democracy that people would rise up and evaluate their art but it seems like we're in, in a time period where people are more into hearing their own voice uh and and being nasty and being and to tag stuff is the fastest and easiest way to get your voice heard. And so unfortunately, you know, we live in a world where people really are, I've heard Wood mention this before. They are so into a headline mentality that they're really thinking about the content of the story that they're talking about, whether that be a review or what that be. It's, it's something that we're all going to have to get over. And I'm sure there'll be generations after us to get over it, but we're on the front lines of just like, the wild west mm-hmm. you know? yeah but i mean the magnet is pretty unclassifiable in some instances i mean you've done 20 yeah. minute 20 minute songs jammy 20 mm-hmm. minute songs and you've also done stuff like little bag of gloom that is not a traditional you know monster magnet song it's it's no. it's, it's it's i don't want to call it cute but it's 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 a it's it's a nice little piece you know and yeah. and so you're you're hard to pin down and i think that's what attracts me to your stuff you can't really uh, classify it. Nah, I, I never wanted to really classify it anyway. You know, it's like what, when I got into Monster Man, I was already like 29 years old. So, Is that right? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I didn't learn how to play guitar until I was 28. Get the fuck oh, out wow. of here. Look at you. What? Yeah, I was a singer in a punk. Savant. Before that. Uh, no, it's not Savant. It's just like, you know, to finally get to the point where you, you're tired, of, I'm tired of, of being misrepresented. I mean, if you got a story to tell... You got to get your chops up to a certain level in order to tell it, or you're just going to be 
you're not going to be able to tell the story you want to tell. Right. And so I had to learn how to play guitar so I could sing over it, which is my natural thing. And my imagination is the, my first, it's the only thing I really, really have. Everything else is just secondary. It's trying to speak for my imagination. And so I learned how to play guitar and at 29, but at 29, I'd already been in a punk rock band. I'd already seen the way the world works. And mm-hmm. I'd already listened to a lot of records and realized that the, my favorite part about music was the variety and how artists remain themselves yet subtly changed their vibe and so it was important for me to have to you know work within the concept of what i thought monster matter was but to change you know put some variables in there and it, it was long past the you know at that point it was long past the 70s so the appetite for that kind of variety on records kind of shrank a lot you know um since the 70s. So I was in this kind of weird dimension that I've always been in Monster Manny, like speaking from my general love of whether it be comic books or science fiction, um, uh, using the vernacular of science fiction, the vernacular of comic books, as if it's just a way to describe my regular emotions. And so I knew it was weird, and I knew people wouldn't get it, and I knew they would misrepresent it because I would play it broad sometime, you know? I, I, once in a while I go, you know, this record, I'm going to put on leather pants and breathe fire. And I'm going to hire <laughs> naked girls, naked women to be on stage. And I'm going to sc- scream about Modoc at the same time. Well, so awesome. I, I mean, how, how many people are going to get it? Not that many. So I knew what I was doing. And you know something? It's been worth it because 20 years I've been doing it. I haven't worked a day job in 20 years. Damn. I want to be you. It, 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 dude, it's worth it. I'm telling you. It's it, space rock. Psychedelic rock. Jack Kirby, you know, I, I get to write songs called Ego the Living Planet. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You know, and I stand by it 100%. Fuck all of you who don't understand what that is. And the, the few people that do are like my favorite people in the world. I'll have some German guy, I have this picture for you. And it's this giant picture of Kirby Ego from Thor or something. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> my life is complete. With, without, a, without a doubt, my favorite track on the new album is is Mindless Ones, and it's it's all. I'm just like this thing is just dripping with Marvel left and right, and it is Doctor Strange song. I mean, like you know, I every once in a while I have to go right for straight fantasy because I I listen to the music of the song and I was like, you know, this is not one for me to like sit on the stool and cry. This sounds like. You know, this sounds like it should just be some straightforward thing. And I was running out of time. So I just, I had been reading the old Ditko uh, and Stan Lee, Doctor Strange. And particularly the best ones ever, like Strange Tales 130 to 141. If you read those comics, you'll never have to read another Doctor Strange story in your life. You're done. In fact, I don't think Doctor Strange has ever been handled better than that. Um, it really is quite an amazing run of com- of comics. Uh it rivals Fantastic Four. It's that kind of speed of introducing characters. I mean, Dicko was really, really on a roll. And uh, it's probably around the same time he was doing his best Spider-Mans. Mm-hmm. Dicko was on. He, there was a sweet spot for Steve Ditko in the 60s. And it just led up to, you know, his rapid departure. But these Strange Tales comic books kick ass. And so, you know, when I'm sitting through a rock song that's going, da na 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 do I want to sing My Heart's Bleeding? No, I want to scream Surrender to the Mindless Ones. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to scream over that kind of music. So the music comes before the lyrics? Yeah. 
with me. Interesting. I write the music first, and I write melody lines, and I uh, I'll sketch things in my either head or to the side. It's like of the Marvel what method of music making. It definitely <laughs> is. Uh, it's the Marvel method. Except I'm I'm this I'm I, I finish them as well as start them. Yeah, exactly. I don't pass them off to an inker, but you're Vinnie Coletta. No, if I have, if, oh, if, I'm just messing with you. Yeah, you're, you're trying to avoid the musical equivalent of a Vinnie Coletta. You know? Exactly. I'd rather if I can't find a musical equivalent of a Dave Hunter or Joe Rubenstein. Yes. Um, you know, give me Joe Rubenstein now. I want quality. That's, no, that's uh, right. So here's a question for you. Steve Ditko, greatest living cartoonist? Oh, for Christ's sake, stop it. Oh, I've heard this before. <laughs> he actually listens uh, to the show. He I knows. know he does. You, yeah, you'd have to define greatest, but I would say the moment the most chutzpah and the most and, and the guy that, that, that will reverberate most in my mind, uh, it technically, no. But, okay. But my man. Vibe-wise, yeah. There you go. Go. He's a legend. He, See, we can all up. take something out of Dave. Dave, Dave, Dave should run for office. He gave us all those something. To can you imagine if he sure. was in office? The thing is, he's like nobody can do what Ditko does. If people could, they would, but they can't. I don't, They've no, never no. done it. No one's ever successfully ripped off Ditko. It's impossible. It's like ripping off Gene Colan. It just can't be done. Right. It's too weird. It's too um to himself. That guy never even. I mean, do you know how, how he finished his art when he was really kicking it? He he just drew the basic outlines. He did it all with his ink and brush. Yep. So there's no there's no map to cover. Nobody knows what Didgo did. I mean, his Dolly influence it's just out and out strange and weird, and it's coming from some place inside his head that. It ain't coming from nobody else. Well, that's the thing. The man is the style, and the style is the man. You cannot, exactly. you cannot separate the two. And yes, did he do a lot of crap? Yes, we are going to hold that against him. Absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not, because his segment of good stuff is so completely, overwhelmingly his and solid. His storytelling is unmatched. His storytelling is as good as Kirby's. He tells a story. Read those books. I'm telling you, man, it's like, holy shit, this is insane. Um, fantastic. He, for my money, he's the world's coolest cartoonist. Hmm. I, maybe I should rephrase my uh, my statement then. <laughs> Works well, for me. There's better draftsmen out there. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's no for doubt. Sure. Steve Ditko never could draw feet, you know? People but, used to make fun of him in the comic books. He can't draw feet, you know? He couldn't draw a horse to save his life, which is it's supposedly the... You know, I mean, Gil Kane would laugh at him and draw horses. horses, There you go. There you go. Who's the best comic horse horseman draftsman? Gil Kane was Frazetta. Gil Kane, Frazetta. Yeah, that's not bad. Big John was a great draftsman of of horses too. Well, John Buscemi could draw anything, and he probably if line for line, as like as a comic book. Just major, like, can do anything, but she would probably stomp You're on my dog now. Oh, Dave's my boy right here. I give him a hug. Yeah. Hey, what, 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 we talked about that. Did you get that? Did you get that art book in? Yeah, finally? dude, I got it. I was giving you pro, I think I gave you propers, maybe in your absence, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's awesome, dude. It is awesome. Uh, beautiful. Be Nat and the Wally Wood book. They're both sitting on my coffee. They're literally sitting on, they are. My, they're, they're literally coffee table books right now. You have to get Joe Kubert book too, which is really cool. Mm. Joe Kubert book is cool. You know, not what? No, nah, I just did it to mess with Vince. Yeah, no, thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm totally kidding, dude. You were awesome. I'm, I'm totally Think about, think about all the absolute, the absolute giants those guys were. I'm I mean, sure, yeah. not only were they good, but the output was insane. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, I'm real pumped. I mean, B- Buscema's the, the one, the one great 
that I didn't get to meet that I'm actually bummed to never have a, had a conversation. I mean, I never got to meet Kirby. I never got, to, but but it's just a bummer to, you know, to uh, Busema. Whereas obviously, I think we all appreciate Kirby massively at this point in our lives. I think like many people my age, when I was first coming up in comics, I didn't necessarily appreciate Kirby. So I didn't have like this unending desire to meet him back then. Right. But I I was uh, I was a Busema fan from before I realized who Busema was, you know, so, so I, I definitely am bummed I never got a chance to shake his hand and, you know, just say thanks for all the work. Busema was so magnificent, elegant too, you know, he was elegant. Uh, yeah. Everything was like, uh, I think Stanley used to call him the Michelangelo of, of comic yep. Um And he's one of the few guys, him and Kane were the few guys that took the Kirby thing. Cause they really did. I mean, Kirby set the pace of comics. Um, in the Silver Age, he set the pace of them. And, and that's when everybody looked and said, we don't, you know, I think Stan Lee was saying, I don't want you to draw like Kirby. I just want you to pace it like Kirby. Kirby moves stuff. I mean, he wasn't asking anybody to create as much as Jack, but he was asking people to take the dynamics, move the story, you know, blow it out of the panels, do whatever you have to do. And Bushima and Kane were the only guys that took that to heart. And dare I say it, Bushima upped Kirby. A couple of times. I mean, his, his, he didn't, you know, he could never be Jack Kirby, but he took it to this elegant place that, that I don't think Kirby would ever have the patience to do because Kirby was frothing at the mouth, you know, like a mad creator. Um, it all works in this fantastic, uh, in this fantastic line of inspiration and creativity in comic books where in the glory days when it, I hate to say it, when nobody was getting paid much, um, People were more willing to take chances and and go ahead and and cop styles and you know do what the editor said, and we got a lot for it. But to get back to Bashima, yeah, he's just amazing, like you, a force. You know, while we're on this subject, yeah, I'm gonna take the opportunity to let people know I bought the book and met the creators at New York Comic Con. So did David and and Jason. There's a series coming out of Image now that is very much in the spirit of. All these guys we're talking about right now. The artwork looks like a mingling of the brothers Basima, both John and Sal, inked by Klaus Janssen. Oh, it's called Five Ghosts. I don't know if you're familiar with this series. I saw that. I was looking at that. It looked really cool. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's written by uh, Frank Barbieri mm-hmm. and drawn by Chris Mooneyham. And I'll tell yeah. you, this guy is amazing. Um, it's it's a pulpy kind of adventure, where uh, you, you, your your main character Fabian uh, Gray, something happens to his twin sister. They're they're adventurers and treasure hunters, and something happens to her. I won't say what, and he he's guilty. He feel, he's, he has this thing hanging over him, so he spends his existence trying to rescue his sister. But the hook of the series, and this is really cool, he has fragments. Uh, five of them, fragments of something called the dream stone stuck in his chest. And, and those fragments lets him tap into the collective unconscious, but it's not, it's not reality based collective unconscious. It's literary. So all of the stories that mankind has concocted over the years and the characters in those stories become real. In this this dreamland, and he can he can summon the power of Robin Hood, Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, a magician, 
and a samurai. It's a great concept. No, it's really neat. So when he's in the shit, right, he can draw upon the, the, the power of Count Dracula to get him out of a situation. Or if he needs, like, expert marksman ability, he summons Robin Hood. And it's so cool. And and when you see the art, you, you, you think it was, like, 1975 again. Really? It's amazing. Yeah, there's there's um giant spiders and these these multi-eyed servants of of the spider that you know they 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 freaky looking dudes. There's giant dragons. You get to see well Dracula drawn by well in that Basima kind of Klaus Janssen style. It's just fantastic. Yeah. And I'm looking at this thing thinking, why have I not seen this? How did I not know this yeah. was out there? And, and, uh, I, you know, we were talking to, uh, Mooneyham, and I'm looking at the art, and I said, Basim is an influence? He's like, oh, yeah. I said, well, uh-huh. d- I think it was David said, I see a little bit of Jansen in that, too. He goes, I love Jansen. You know, so you can, the, the influences on this guy, they just bleed off the paper. It's so good. It's from Image. It's called Five Ghosts. The first trade came out. It's the first five issues. You can get it for 10 bucks, and it's an ongoing. So there's, there's more and greater things yet to come. Really investigate it. It's really good. Yeah, I definitely. Well, I mean, I, I looked at it just for a tiny bit and I was like, what the hell does I have to get back? To? You'll I love let it. These things pile up a little before I, I go in because when I get obsessed about it, I just can't wait for the next issue. It drives me yeah, insane. Yeah, it's I tough. Have to eat, you know? And, and now that, uh, I mean, when I saw the trade, I knew I had to have it, but he had original art pages there too. Mm-hmm. I should have bought one. Oh, yeah. I, I should have because they were so great and uh, a lot of beautiful double page spreads and uh, and not horizontal vertical. There's a couple vertical double page spreads in this thing. They're beautiful yes. and they play around with uh, Bronze Age Gaspar Saladino type lettering. Where you know you'll have that's uh, far Saladino. Yeah, you'll have an introductory page that's just like sequentials, and then you'll flip it, and it's like a Kirby chapter splash page, but it's done in a pulpy kind of Gaspar style. It's awesome. You got to see it. Really, you know what's cool about these days is that uh, the internet. It's happening with music too. Um, I think we're finally past the absolute swiping sampling stage of the culture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there are artists, young artists, who are, because of the reference, the amazing reference capabilities of, of search engines, are getting honestly excited about stuff that they never would have seen before. And they're having the time to work it out and work it into their style because they honestly love it, maybe because not an editor isn't, isn't pushing for them. But it's starting to come out where it's not they're not just swiping anymore, although there's plenty of that, but they're actually discovering it on their own. And working it into their art. So, I mean, it's, it can only be a good thing, all this reference going on. I mean, I couldn't imagine an editor going, I need some John Basima up here, you know? <laughs> I can't imagine an editor asking for that. You know, this is a creator thing. I think editors should scream. They should scream like that. They should scream, dude. I'm yeah. Not, I mean, you've got to put the fear of God in these guys. I mean, you can't have these guys sitting around playing Xboxes all the time thinking they run the show. Right. They don't. <laughs> Smash together Perry White and Jonah, and that would be the perfect yeah. editor. Just and, and go. I out. would like an editor that's not uh, twenty six years old and just out of college. Well, I think hey. that I think that has a lot to do with it. Hey. I really do. That's what, I mean, you know, we say that, but the best editors in comics history were all in their early twenties. Well, yeah, but but that was yeah, but but there was no continuity before they came around, so there wasn't yeah. anything for them to keep in check. 
Yeah. Now you have this years of history where, you know, it's it's fine if you want to reboot or retcon or squeeze things in between panels, but you know, if you come out with a story and and say that, you know, Captain America never fought Baron Blood, well I think Stern and Byrne would disagree with that. So you do need an editor that knows the history, knows knows the history of the work they're supposed to be overseeing, and basic grammar helps. Well, to, 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 agree though, with, so to agree with Baron Blood, to that, that yes, to that you're right. It, it's it's not an age issue; it's it's a culture issue. And I think my guess, and speaking out of school because we're not there, we're not in the office, we're not on the phone with any of these people. I think it's 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 a corporate culture that is much more about about moving the business along than it is about you know love of the medium. And I think we can romanticize how it maybe used to be. I, I don't know if there was ever the kind of love for the medium that we would like to. Yeah, like I was going to say, I mean, David, the, un- the Marvel Untold story that you gifted us last year, I mean, that, that really know. tears any, any, I think, uh, romanticism people should have had about what it was actually like. Be, be I mean, careful to not take that book as gospel, though. I mean, <laughs> no, that but is, again, a that lot is, of that stuff, no, 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 but, 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 but nevertheless, a lot of the stuff that was in that book that was, I mean, we're talking about actual quotes that he was getting from other, other articles, and, and, and there's no question in that narrative that for most of these guys, it was a paycheck and a stressful paycheck. And they were trying to get the work out because it was all about getting the work out to get a paycheck and keep the book selling. And they were making up stories on the fucking fly. There was, I mean, we, we, we criticized, like, you just criticized an editor because he might not remember that some C-list villain fought some other guy at some point. Dude, like, the point is, is back then they were just making shit up. Like, they gave right. no thought to whether or not it made sense at all. And let's be fair, talk about romanticism. Having, you know, having so many old back issues and having all these collections, like Vince said, about, you know, all the omnibuses and absolutes. Like, dude, I don't care what we say objectively. You go back and reread most of that stuff. It is, does not make a hell of a bit of sense. It doesn't. There are huge gaping holes in the logic, continuity, all that stuff. And we just, we just, we liked it because it was new and we were young. So I think if we're being true, if we're being really objective, most areas of the craft of comics today are far superior to how they were back when we were kids. I disagree. Oh, I know you're going to disagree. I knew you were going to disagree, but I genuinely believe that to be true. I think the art is more detailed. I think the only thing that it's lost on, and this is a big one, and I don't want to dismiss it, is to your point earlier, is the creativity. They had an open canvas yes. to do whatever they wanted, okay. and that's a huge thing. But I'm saying in terms of how the comics are made, how they're drawn, the level of detail and process that goes into making sure that they're made right, making sure that the continuity lines up. It's incomparable to how it was back then. Now, I, Shit I was just made up. It was de- made up de- on the fly. Detail is not a make-or-break component as far as I'm concerned. You could be the most detailed artist in the world and still suck at making comics. But I just wanted to comment on something you said about a lot of these guys just got it out there because they had a deadline and they were trying to get a paycheck and you know what i mean what what you said about the the expediency with which they had to produce the art there were not as many escape hatches back then as there is now back then it back then if you had to have uh, X amount of pages done on the 24th you had a drum and drawn by hand today you can have guys you know, throwing in a computer-generated background to make make that oh, deadline. But but back then, I mean, we've all heard the stories about the the all night you know jam sessions where they get the whole fucking bullpen together and you'd have twenty people working sure. on one book to knock it out. Right. I mean, that, well, that's a crutch. I mean, it is a crutch, but it's but it's a, a level of craft that's far 
superior than than copying something on a computer and slapping it in a background. But you know what? They didn't, they didn't do that. Crude enthusiasm and highly polished finery, I'll take crude enthusiasm. Sure. Because it's human. And, but, the, and, and what's happening now is that while the production value, in my opinion, while the production values are extremely high, you see the pace and the frantic energy slowing down and slowing down. And that's what comics, at least to me, were always about this kind of a frantic energy. It's not that it's lost completely, but, you know, like any, like any system, when the system starts to rely more and more on quick fixes, um, and the quick fi- a modern quick fix is a lot different than putting white out on stuff and redrawing it. Yeah, you know? but do you, do, you um, know, do you know why those guys didn't use computer-generated backgrounds? Back because then? they didn't, they didn't have, have them. them. Because they didn't have computers. And because they didn't have them, their level of craft was much higher than these guys today. I mean, we're just, we're, this is going to be those things we're going to have to agree to disagree No, on. I mean, I how many times today have you seen guys that are regarded as, quote, really good rely on Poser to get through a couple of pages. But that's no, not not but no. my point is not many. I mean we, we just spent yeah. four awesome days in Artist Alley where guys were doing jaw dropping work. Right, exactly. But if you look at the sum total of everything Marvel and DC's putting out, there is yeah, poser then, in there. See there there's your problem. Sure, that, but again I'm not you're like, using them as the measuring I mean, stick. Honest, what I'm, good. But you're proving you, what you're doing stuff. is you're proving my point. Back then Marvel put out a shitload of books and they were all of a certain quality. Nah, see, that's bullshit. You're romanticizing it. Marvel, not, I, first of all, I, I, did, I just out. read a book from the first set. I just Marvel read put out I just, a fraction. Back then, they put out a fraction of the books they put out now. Number two, half the books they put out were reprints of shit that they already put out before. That was their mainstay for a good Well, yeah, they had a lot of reprints, sure, but what I'm saying no, is I'm the saying stuff is that's they, created. And, and three, for every Kirby, there were a lot of fucking guys that drew very mundane... Very uninteresting. For every Ditko, there are guys that drew shit that we were like, oh, okay, stock oh, shit yeah, that's way, in, the, way in the archives. So, yeah. so again, you can't you can't throw out at me a dude like LaRocca or fucking Land who use Poser right now and be like, see, there's <laughs> – and then when we have a hundred other books coming out by by guys drawing their asses off every month and then oh. and then on, and then romanticize the Kirby's and Ditkos and not talk about all the fucking ass you can't guys use, you cannot use Pope as, as an example because he does not work under the same system. It took him. Friggin' three oh. years to get Battling Boy out. Come on. Oh, no, I'm not sure, you, Chris. I'm sure that I'm sure that's the only thing he was doing for three years. But that's besides the point. The guy no, took. Not. Yes, it is. The guy labored on that book for three years. Regard if that's if that's all he did, or along with a bunch of other shit. Well, so what? He still so, invested a certain amount of time in it. He there was no deadline on Battling Boy. He got it done when it was done. So you're discounting the work because he. Had I'm not discounting him. anything. I'm just saying you can't use him as an example of a guy well, that doesn't use poser. I, I think it's human nature to romanticize the 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 moment when we fall in love with anything. It's why we all love certain music. It's because of the music that we first when we first became aware of music. It's usually the stuff that's our favorites and the stuff that we first loved. Same thing with comics. Same thing with movies. Same thing with TV. It's just a natural tendency. We 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 overvalue the things that we first fell in love with, and we all do it. And I I actually. There, there have been a lot of comics I've read in the last ten years, reread that I wish I hadn't reread, because my fondness and memory for them in how I remember them when I was a kid is is largely muted by rereading them today in in the in the vein of an almost forty year old man who's read a lot of stuff. That's, right. that's the unfortunate dirty secret of all comic books and any commercial medium. You know, I mean, you know, the the law of diminishing return applies. Yeah, exactly. And, and it goes down and down. So you start seeking out. The quality and you chase the dragon, as Chris says, and yeah. then 
you finally start to go, all right, I'm in love with art. I'm not just loving exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, and, and even though I know David's been frustrated with 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 many people on the internet, myself included, about sort of comparing things like Shield to Arrow and the like. But you know, I, I did really, I have really been struggling, especially in the last couple of years at, at at TV. I've just struggled with a lot of the shows that 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 I, I seemingly should be interested in, and I'll DVR them and watch them, and be like, this is shitty. And 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 again, it's it's a me thing. It's not a them thing. And I realized, like, you know, if I watched rewatched Knight Rider or the A Team, like, I'd probably be like, oh my god, this is horrible. But I remember it fondly because I was at a point in my life where it just entertained the shit out of me, and I didn't judge it, and I didn't analyze it. Well, I'm just a different. I'm I'm an adult now, so whereas I can sit here in my mind and think Knight Rider was the awesomest, and I loved it. <laughs> so you know, how I, how does that I'm explain? Like, I can't stand show. like it's terrible, and how? and it's it's just a personal it's a personal preference for some some people are going to watch Shield now and love it, and that's great. It's just for me, I I and I recognize that Shield is probably a far superior show. Than like Knight Rider was, but like both technically and visually and scripting wise, but but I just I don't hold the same. Oh, here's the thing: is that, is that is that Shield and Knight Rider are are both aimed at the same age group, and that's where it's losing me. And that's and that's not, it, you just said it. It's not them; it's me. You know, I feel like I'm you know letting the girl down. It's like it's 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 not you, you know, sweetie. It's 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 me. Um, but but all of that. How does that explain how my wife can still come home every night and want to watch the 1970s Charlie's Angels and enjoy it? Because it's comfort food. Because it's comfort food. Is that it? That's what people, a lot of people do. And smart people, dumb people, everybody. There's a certain amount of comfort, intellectual comfort food. Yeah, I think that's right. They're willing to to overlook any kind of ridiculousness. Because it's terrible. Strokes. I can watch different strokes or or what's happening reruns right now and love them. But you can't get me to watch. I mean, you could tell me, you could have a hundred of, of my closest friends, yourselves included, sit there and tell me that, um, what's that Benzinga show? What's the geek show? What's that called? Oh, uh, Big Bang. Big Bang. Yeah. Big Bang Theory is like this greatest show ever. And, and I, I, I will sit there and watch an episode and turn it off in three minutes because I'm, I'm like offended by it. I think it's, and I'm like, this is, for, this is great for fourth graders, you know, but, but the point is, is I watched what's happening when I was a fourth grader. And so I, I, in my mind, it is, I'm retapping that part of my life, so I, I'm judging it from that angle. I'm not judging it from what I would think of it today. Yeah, it's setting off all kinds of like things in your brain. It, it's like really, it's like tasting chocolate. It's like smelling a, a familiar smell. I mean, yes, it, it's it's releasing endorphins is what it is. You're like, oh yeah, I know this, you know, and that you know that's how that's how they keep getting people, you know, over but the maybe- years. You, you grab them with something and then you beat them into the ground with it until they associate it with popcorn and chocolate and whatever. <laughs> I remember this was great, you know, and then the older you get, if you get smarter as you get older, you're And D- Dave, as a musician, you must, I mean, I because I, I think about this as a music fan, like, when you get established and like you said, you've had a 20-year career, it's got to be a bit of a conundrum, right? Because you've got this this fine line between... You know, you make music that is kind of similar to the music you've always made, and that's what people kind of yeah. want want to hear. And you see all the time, like like people may, will put on an album, and you'll hear complaints either like, "Oh, that doesn't sound like their old stuff. I don't like it," or flip side, people will be like, "Oh, it's just they sound the same. I don't want to listen to them anymore. I've heard that stuff before." You know, like like yeah. it's got to be tough, right? Because because ultimately, I think you have to just be true to yourself, which is make the music that you want to make, and then the fans will be there. Like, more, that's right? all you got. Yeah. yeah, that's all you have. That's and I'm sure only making comics. But there's no see the problem with that is there's really no rule because what works for one guy like Bowie, 
Bowie changed his his uh, approach every single album, yeah, right? Yeah. And then you look at Queen, who tried to do something different, and they got fucking slaughtered. They got well. They, it, I think it just comes down to the talent of the artist. I mean, Bowie, you know, his, his talent runs beyond music, and, and it goes into identity and image. He was just really good at doing it. Not everybody can do that, you know. I, uh, I think I think Vince is giving sure. us um, a Bowie documentary for Christmas because he brought up Bowie on the ride. <laughs> I to love New York Comic Con. So, I love and, and now here it is a couple weeks later. So yeah, well, it's great. Yeah, he's he up great. There. He's up there. Oh, he's fantastic, man. Who, who else? Who else can grow into old days in the world of rock and roll where you're supposed to die before you get old? You know, I mean that that was the rule. That was the rule that we all grew up with. You know, it was the it was put down. Hope I die before I get old. And yeah. Well, I was just gonna say it didn't work for Townsend. Yeah, <laughs> they, they should have stopped a long time ago. But whatever. And uh, if Bowie like pulls it off with a lot of class, not everybody can do. Oh it. yeah, dang. Yeah. That new album is really good. I was yeah, it's it's surprisingly really good. good. It's like, you know, he's got to the point where you don't care if it's good. It's you know, it's like he's cool. It's like you know, this guy has done enough good stuff for you to give him a pass on stuff that you're not totally in love with. Yeah, it never spells out. It's but never, it's a weird no. thing, though, right? Because like um, he doesn't I mean, like rely Pearl on that Jam, though. Pearl Jam was just in our area, right? Like I, I know because mm-hmm. tons of my friends were just you know went to the concerts in, in both in here in New York and Philly. So it's it's just top of mind. And they just came out with a new album, right? Well, I consider myself a Pearl Jam fan, but I have to be honest with you, I don't think I've bought a Pearl Jam album in a decade. Wow. But no, no. Mm-hmm. But my point is like, but so I, I'm sure a, like a quote unquote diehard Pearl Jam fan, like, oh, you're not a true fan, you know? But I can. I can vividly recall in my head right now at least forty of their songs, right? And 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 I and I I, I value those songs. Now I'm not saying the stuff they've put on the last decade isn't good. I can't tell you if it's different, the same, whatever. But at some point, I stopped wanting to have new stuff from them. But their catalog is still there for me, you know. Whereas there are other artists that I'll buy everything they ever put out, right? And I'm sure there's people sitting around and be like, oh, I stopped buying their stuff. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of a weird thing in that regard. You know, it's really weird. It's very very unpredictable. I mean, you know, I can say that Bowie did that because he was cool changing his image but i think it really it, it affects individual people it's like how do they have these people process their memories and how do we assign it to what they want new and, and how much have they changed i mean especially with music and rock and roll american rock and roll was never meant to last right. they never designed rock and roll to be this old mm-hmm. you know, they, it wasn't designed that way you know it was it was music for kids made by guys who were 20 years old, they never thought it would go this far. I'm <laughs> that it, you know, it, that it even survives today. I'm surprised that everything's not just completely hip hop and, and techno. And, you know, the basic things that are really popular today for, in, to the masses are very, very simple yet sophisticated grooves with, with buzzwords attached to them, almost like ads. Hip hop is much like an ad. It's like an ad mentality. Simple thing. Re- repeated words, some cleverness in there, but basically repetition. Yeah. This is the soundtrack to your life. Here's a guy speaking for you. It's not a source of poetry, the way they would have you believe. Not at all. It, it's just a background to people's lives. I use music to represent me. It's not they're not poets. They I agree with what they say. Therefore, I'll let this guy speak. They're not into listening to long tracks or involved music compositions. There's no time for that. And rock and roll was about, you know, it, it, I mean, it started off about dancing and sex and stuff, but it quickly, by the 60s, turned into almost a literary form. You know, a combination of of, uh, of long-form composition and literary aspirations. It, and I, I can't imagine how, I, I was shocked that it lasted as long as it did. 
65 to 75, and then everything started getting back to pop mentality. And now we're in the modern world where, man, I mean, it's tough. Not everybody's like you guys. Not You guys go in and investigate your entertainment. You know, and it, most people don't. True. They just take what they can from it and throw it, throw the rest away. Mm-hmm. And a lot of great artists busting their balls for people that just could basically, I don't want you to bust your balls. I just want you to do what I say. Right. <laughs> right. And, and you know what? We got to give credit where it's due. Bowie was smart enough to surround himself with really intelligent people, really talented people. So oh, yeah. I think Brian Eno carried Bowie for a decade or at least a decade. Eno was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And anything Eno touched is worthy of listening. But it's kind of weird, though. Eno and someone is gold. Eno by himself, eh, yeah. not, uh, not yeah. so great. I don't think he cared. I mean, if you, I, I read interviews with Eno all the time. He's, he wasn't out to bust the world. You know, he was out. He's, he's an investigator of tones and sounds. He's always said, I'm not a pop star. If, 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 if I live out my pop star stuff with real pop stars, when I go to make music, I want to make music for elevators or airports. I want to <laughs> discover what it sounds like if you put random notes into a computer and have them play back randomly and then have like a monkey operate the computer. Right. Yeah. Have, you know, he's a true pioneer in that. I really like Eno a lot. That's where he shines, right. But the, the yeah, rock and yeah, roll and stuff. Like, like it or not, you know where he's coming from. And yeah. he's like, I don't think he ever, he wanted to design himself to be a Bowie. I think he was happy with, yeah. uh, you know, being, being around guys like that. Heck, uh, Eno even made U2 work, which was uh, a, a, mag- a magic trick right there. Combination. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Who would have thought that I Eno know. Would have been so great at making this huge rock record, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's just a testament to his talent. Really, one of my favorite guys ever, Brian. You know, there you go. He's a big, fa- he's a big fan of random, of using random accidents and and having that as the finished material. You know, he's one of those guys. Okay, you made a big mistake in there, and now I love that mistake, so it's staying in there. And the band's mm-hmm. going like, God. He goes, Well, it's it's of the moment, isn't it? And he wasn't making he wasn't just making like cheesy art calls like you know to get the job done. He really his 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 perception it was pretty spot on and very musical. Love that guy. Yeah, that's I'm that's I'm basing my entire thesis on that Ran, I, random uh, occurrences in creation and and how we can exploit them and bring them on. It's you know it's the way. Mm-hmm. That is the way to remain sane and invigorated about art forever. Because if not, if it's going the way I, I think it's going, which is more and more people trying to control every little fucking thing, myself included, <laughs> then I, I think a lot of people are going to be putting a bullet in their brain. True. Because how can you ever be happy? You have to be happy with what happens. Wow, what a great fire. That building burned really cool. You didn't design it. The, the part of that building that fell down at four o'clock in the morning after a three hour fire, that was fucking awesome. Nobody CGI'd that. It just happened. Same thing with music, same with the combos, people playing together, and same thing with art. You, we see it by the brave guys that leave their mistakes in their art yep. that become our favorite parts later on. The wrong note Somehow becomes the right note. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I love that. It makes life worth living. It makes it makes stepping up to the drawing table or the the plugging into the amplifier makes it worthwhile because it, yeah, it because makes you know, it real. Because you know, if you bring in your enthusiasm, you got some chops yep. that even 
it, once that magic has begun, the power of what you're doing is going to finish what you started, regardless of whether you're on point or not. And that's some of the most enjoyable things about art. And I think the most enjoyable things is when you feel the struggle between a guy trying to control it and the, the project itself spinning out of control. You, you feel a struggle. And it's like, that was a fantastic moment. You know, and it's it's not all about... It's having enough control to let it go out of control. Well said. Well it's said. Wonderful thing. It's, it's the only thing that really gets me coming back to art. It's like, what the hell was that? All the what the fuck moments are great. Fantastic. We got Dave all fired up. I'm fired up. I love it. Got the coffee going. I love it. I got me some drink. The coffee so. is a lukewarm status. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Dave, how did you find this, uh, John Sumrall guy? Oh, John, um, I found him on the internet, as a matter of fact, and, but he was, he was referred to me by, uh, my ex-wife of all people. God bless her. <laughs> wow. Uh, I was searching out another guy, uh, an Australian dude who, who did, uh, amazing recreations, a lot of swiping from early sixties, uh, science fiction paperbacks. I'm a huge fan of, uh, paperback art. <clears throat> particularly from like say 55 to like 1970 nice. I mean oh, I and the science fiction and mystery stuff is just amazing Robert McGinnis's Babes oh nice just unbelievable I mean you have to own these things when you see it if I have to buy that so all you got to do is say ace doubles and you see yeah, people's ace doubles, yeah man. you see people's no. eyes light up ace doubles even at full price when they were coming out, what were they, 75 cents? Yeah, cheap. Buy these things for five cents or a dime. And I, all through the 80s, I just collected them all. Anyway, the science fiction ones are particularly good because they're rich, they're real paint, um, dark tone, moody. and Kelly Freeze? Kelly Freeze. Yep. Uh, this guy, John Berkey. Uh, uh, Kelly Freeze amazing. I mean, it goes on and on. I mean, once you get into that world, if you're an art lover, it's hard to stop until you've you know searched it all out because they're Preach. just absolutely beautiful yeah and uh and you give these guys concepts like the writers were giving them titles you know those kind of titles and you, you let an artist go well the title is get off my world you know okay i'll draw a picture of get off my world and it, of course it's fantastic anyway so john sumro was a guy who did that kind of stuff but the guy that i really wanted was in australia and he seemed to go on a uh, some sort of mental walkabout. Ooh. So I couldn't find him. He was gone. He, was, he walked into the cover of one of his albums, <laughs> you know, into the yard, and never came back. So John was referred to me by somebody, and he did uh, a bright, kind of a bright style. And I was like, can we make it darker? And then I started throwing stuff like Richard Powers at him, who's one of my favorite uh, artists from the, uh, the that that. It, Oh, did we lose Dave? Amazing guy. Oh, there I mean, he is. You look him up. It's like amoebic shapes and all this stuff. And uh, so I was like, can you do Richard Powers? And he's like, I'm not Richard Powers. Nobody can do Richard Powers. I was like, well, try. So we tried. And he goes, look, man, this is not my thing. So it's me screaming Richard Powers and him coming back with approximations of Richard Powers. Finally, during I acted as art director on this. And I finally was like, you know something? Fuck Richard Powers. You're into this thing in your own way. Just finish your own way. Just keep it, keep it dark and keep going. And 
he was fantastic. I think he did a great job. And it's, it came out looking like Jim Starlin. It's yeah, and it's huge. It's it enormous. You should see the original. It's great. Now, um, now, do you have the original or? No, no, I let him keep it. Oh. It's like, that's only fair. It's fair. I mean, you know, I'm not going to, in good conscience, you know, pull a marble on the guy. Look, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I know. I was like, look, you keep it. And I'll, I'll pay you with this bag of peanuts. No, I know, I paid him for money. But, um, I let him keep it. It's a striking uh, piece. If you have the thing, maybe someday I'll buy it from him. Yeah, it's a very nice piece. I, it, it's, it's so, you, I, personally, I can't look away. Once I see that cover, it's just, I have to, you, yeah, yep. and the, the closer it, you get, the more details re- revealed. It makes me angry. That I have it as a CD, exactly, and not, and not a vinyl. Exactly, <laughs> vinyl looks amazing. And vinyl's vinyl. becoming all the rage again. I, are, is it is it available in vinyl, Dave? Sure, it is. Yes, it is. It's a fold out, you know, it's a two page, and it's got a great inside too. It's got a space Saturn and a spaceship on the inside too. I had yeah. to draw two completely large paintings: one for the fold out cover and one for the inside fold out cover, and the. Post- uh, the poster's going to be amazing on that. You know, I'm all over it. It's, uh, um, I, I'm going to get that, and I'm going to get it signed in November. What is it, November? Yeah, what is that? That's coming up, man. It's, it is coming up. You're going to be in Chicago uh, in not too long. So it's, uh, can't wait. I'm yeah. What is this event you're talking about? It's, well, he's on tour. He's coming. Oh, okay. All right. November. Yeah, November sixteenth. Yeah, we go yeah. out to the states for a month in November, and uh, once I get a record out, you know, right now I'm like kind of selling the record, and uh, so you make it, and then you get the art together, which is really really fun because it's the closest thing I'll ever do to actually doing any really art, you know. So I'm I'm close to art people. This is fun, and uh, <laughs> it really is. And you know who helped me out a lot on this was Chris Ryle from IDW. Mm. He. Uh, he went. I didn't use any of his suggestions, but he was like, "What do you want?" Some because uh, I tried to get who was the guy I tried to get. Oh, the guy that 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 you hate, Wood. Um, you don't hate him, but you're pissed off because you ripped off. You know the famous. Oh, Tom- Soydum. Soydum. Uh, right, right. So I tried to get off uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the zombie king. That is friggin' perfect, the zombie man. The guy that you hate. No, the, uh, the guy that you take umbrage with, and. Um, and I was yeah. trying to get Soydum. I said, anybody know how to get Soydum? And uh, Chris Ryle, I had met him. And he's a super nice guy. He goes, I, he goes, you don't want Soydum. He's a hack. You know? <laughs> uh, something like that. He goes, I don't think you want him. And <laughs> Woods, like, bigger yes. Ryle fan after he said that. I, I, <laughs> nice. Chris in a lot of trouble. Chris, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> he goes, he goes, but I'll help you as much as I can. And unsolicited, no bullshit. This guy had an email like an email, I had an email train with him for a week of him going, how about this guy, how about this guy? He's really, really helpful for no reason at all. Um, so he was really cool. But in the end, I went with Sumro because because he would do what I told him to do. No, because he uh, he was so enthusiastic about the job. You know, he's really enthusiastic. And you can, sell in his, you can see in his painting, there's, yes. struggle, there's struggle going on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's weird. It it's, moves. It moves. It it's blobby. It's moving. It's it's. Uh, I made sure that the uh, that the, the the centering on the record was off. 
You know, it's like an old Carmine Infantino trick. It's a little bit off-center. Like, why is he up there? You know, of course, I had to think about the sticker that would go on the bottom. But I really wanted to make it look like this is an organic thing. This is an imperfect, uh, blobby sort of science fiction. It's not a digi. It's, it's, perfect, it's, perf- it's perfect, though. It is it, because you guys have, I mean, you're, I mean, you're making stuff that's relevant in 2014, but you certainly have a, you know, a classic heavy rock aura about you, and this kind of harkens back to that. But mm-hmm. it's the, it's also that that kind of cosmic space rock, which is, is something that you are really, really good at. And you know, it's the Last Patrol. It's, I mean, here's this spaceship out with this, you know, very, you know, cosmic demon character. Yeah, He's Monster Manning's bull god. He actually shows yeah. up on a lot of records. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, and he's looking, you know, checking out that spaceship going, hmm, you know, do I eat this thing? Or what is this? It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a Galactus, like taking a glance at the human torch. Like, eh, okay. Before. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He has some different covers. I like the, the, the more painterly covers. I got to say, when you go graphic, like God says no, I like them, but I, I like Tab better. Like in that vein, and that's what this yeah, reminds you know, me of. The, the tap thing, I just swiped. That's a Chesley Bonstell pen. Yeah. I uh, took that out of a, I ripped it out of a library book, <laughs> stole it from the Red Bank Library, took nice. it, photocopied it. <laughs> it's so cheesy. Um, <laughs> had somebody draw on acetate uh, the bull god, uh, well, the Statue of Liberty, like Planet of the Apes, and uh-huh. just plastered over it, and then copied that. That's the cover. Well, I'm that. Talking- Jeez. Oh, that yeah, was early for too. Away, for for away Diablo, that's the bull god yeah. on the cover there. Okay. It's on there too. And that's there's boobies on it too, which I love. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotta, yes. gotta love the boobies. Yeah. You don't know how how restrained I have to be when it comes to, <laughs> you know, because for one thing, you know, when you put tits on something, it'll sell. Oh sure. And I have to constantly remind myself that you know maybe if you put too much tits on it, people will get a different idea about your band. I did it in videos all the time. I was doing tits and naked women in videos for three or four videos in a row. Why? Because I wanted to be around tits. <laughs> and, and because it was such a no-brainer as far as selling. And, and I really got to this point where I was like, you know, dude, you gotta like, you gotta put that snake back in your pants a little bit. Or people are just gonna think you're, you know, completely like David Lee Roth out. There's nothing wrong with it, but I had to like, to like stop it. So Vince, yeah, every time, you know, there's boobies. Of course, you consider putting them on. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> be awesome. Oh, he fits in with the show. He so does. <laughs> I love this show. I you love should, this. You should be here every week. They're the, they're the standard bearers. I can't believe more people. Well, I can believe why people haven't stolen your formula because they just don't have it. They don't have the knowledge. So there's a formula? Up. Wait, there's a formula? Our formula is no formula. Which well, is still that, a formula. That's what I mean. What I mean is you pretty much fly by the seat of your pants, yeah. which is, you know, and the, and the more, the more interaction between you guys and the more stuff goes off point, the more interesting it is because it's leading somewhere. It's, it, you're, you're from a basis, a, a huge well of knowledge. It never runs out. Oh, that's very even nice of you to say. Yeah. Oh, no, but it's true. I mean, even your most scatterbrained moments are informative. You know, and, and I think the people that listen to the show would probably follow you guys anywhere you wanted to go. Wow. I think um, of the four of us, I listen to the most podcasts, other comics podcasts mm-hmm. these yes, days. Yes, um, And awesome. there are a bunch I enjoy, and I have to say the ones I enjoy the most are also 
probably not coincidentally ensemble shows. Um, yeah. But I, but and again, I don't, I don't want to toot our own horn, but I do, I do often think that if there's one thing that differentiates us from a lot of the other shows that I enjoy that are ensemble, it's kind of what you were saying though, Dave. It's just that I guess we're old, but we also have decent memories. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the sense that we do collectively know a lot about the history of the of the genre, and 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 I think that a lot of the, the other shows that kind of yeah. strike the same chord are just a little bit younger in that regard, or their recall isn't as good. And um, and, and they're no, still very entertaining. But good. And they make a lot of factual errors and, and, and accept it as truth, which really chaps my ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're uh, certainly guilty of that. We, we Inevitably, we'll get the, the tweets and the, the forum posts correcting us about something. Or, but, you know, I figure if we if we make 100 proclamations in a three-hour period, if, if we... Two or three of them are a little askew. I think that's not a bad hit rate. No, that's expected. And but but you guys are willing to call each other on your own shit. You don't all go. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> oh, true. Because Vince is crazy. He's a fuck. I mean, it's true. Yeah, that is true. Self policing is admirable, and it actually adds to the you know the credit. <laughs> yeah. Stuff, you know? Now, well, let's we aren't afraid of that. That's true. <laughs> let's tap into uh, those uh, that old. Uh, uh, memories and I want to talk about Wits End because we we brought it up early in the show oh, yeah. and the the fact that everything is collected and everything is available but I don't think what what some of the younger comics buyers realize is that Wits End was Wally Wood published that himself yep and the 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 fact that you can go out and buy a two volume slipcase of every issue of Wits End in one shot. They don't understand how long it took, I think it was 13, 13 issues of Whitson that Wally Wood published. It took him 20 years to get those 13 issues out. Yep. So yeah. the, the fact that you can waltz out there and get them all in one shot, it, it just boggles my mind. I'm sure Wally would be happy about it. You know, it's like, poor bastard. Yeah, uh, well, tortured guy. I was just going to use that word, right? But <laughs> I mean, when you see the the list of creators that that are in this thing, you got Wrightson, Kirby, uh, Ditko. Who else? Frazetta, right? Um, Don Martin's in there. Uh, Nick Cutie, uh, um, Williamson, Ralph Reese. I love Ralph Reese, dude. He's like yeah. one. Of, he's the best oh. artist no one ever heard of. Um, oh, Ralph Reese is excellent. Yeah, oh, man, he's a, he's a real, a major player in my uh, my love for comics. Uh, uh, for for some reason, he just caught my eye in the seventies. Like, why isn't this guy around more? That you know? shit he did for Skywald, for the the Psycho and the and uh, the Nightmare. Some of those stories were extremely disturbing. I mean, you're talking in a in a horror magazine. Disturb, yeah. Disturbing is pretty much the rule, right? But yeah. his seemed to out. Just outgross like everybody else in the magazine. He had these guys that are dripping and their teeth are falling out and shit's like dropping off them. And you're and you're a kid and you're looking at it. You're thinking, I'm sick to my stomach looking at this. Right, and it was well drawn. Too. Oh my god, yeah. You know, he he wasn't just slopping stuff around. He's really he was. He seemed to be a big Wallywood fan. I see a lot of oh, yeah. Wallywood influencing. I, I think he um he worked either um apprenticed with Wally or or worked with him on a yeah, lot of things. Those guys, Wally had a lot of people. Yeah, but Reese was probably a dirty, dirty man because whenever he would draw a woman, she always had a super tight sweater on, which enhanced her her female parts. And always, it seems like they always had the leather miniskirts. It was the 70s, but still. 
and yeah. and the big the big uh, knee high boots when he, when Ralph yes. Reese would draw a woman ooh uh, and that story with the roaches I I can never get that out of oh, my head that's a great story that, oh, now you know I'm gonna go back and that dra- friggin roaches story oh my god but anyway um, who else is in there uh, elders in there Von Bodie there's a there's a, a yeah. good amount of Bodie oh cool uh, Spiegelman uh, Crankle uh, did I say Kirby. Yes, you, you always say Kirby. Gil Kane is in there. He, he appeared he in. Yeah, Kirby was there. But so you have two volumes, which present pretty much a, um, a who's who of comics, and it's coming out of Fanographics, which is amazing. So you got to be on the lookout for this. If if it's not on your radar, it should be. I don't know when it comes out. I think it's first quarter 2014. Yes. Yeah, you got to get it. Um, uh, it's amazing. I mean, the thing I love about it is that it really speaks to the time in comic history, comics history, where there was so little room for comic artists to do whatever the hell they wanted. Right, right. Um, and, you know, there was no internet, and you know, it's stuff. It's fanzines are going through the mail, and and you know, they're just mailing stuff out. And it took somebody like Wally Wood to actually go, "Hey, you guys, look, I, come over here. Like, really, whatever you got. Right. I just want something that's not." What those guys are telling you to do, right. and it and it just it was it came about because of his disillusionment with the the mainstream comic book companies yeah. and how they they beat him down. So uh, another thing to to keep in mind is Wit's End is not standard comic book. I mean, these are not mainstream comics. These are, I guess you can call them underground self published things. So there's yeah. there's no content restrictions on them. There's very adult things going on. In, in Whitsend. So it's, it's, uh, Wally tra- naked elf women. With yeah. Wood could really draw an ass on a woman, man. So these, <laughs> I would go as far to say Style. the, the best ever renderer of, of the female form, Wally Wood. Oh, he's the best. Yeah. He's <laughs> him, Zeta, uh, Zeta. Stevens, but, uh, you know, uh, Stevens is amazing. Um, there, there's so many, you know, you know, we get short shrift on that. Bashima. Oh, yeah. John Bashima could draw a hell of a woman. Oh, but yeah. What Woods are so sexy is some about his eyes, his double lighting of, of his just really knew how to get cute and sexy all in the same time. It's pattern. the double lighting. That's what it is. It is. Because yeah. you get, you get the, the high, the, the shadow on the, on the, the bottom of the breast and you get it a little bit on the top of the breast. It points. <laughs> yeah. 3D, my brothers. It's true, but fantastic. I, I mean, never get tired of looking the wood, wood women. And I, you know, I've had girlfriends that said the same thing. That guy really knows how to draw a woman. Ah. <laughs> Who else could we throw on that list? Uh, Frank Thorne. Thorne, amazing. It wasn't always my favorite of those guys because he's a little bit too scratchy with the with the women. But his anatomy was perfect. Yeah, Mark um, Schultz. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. He's, he could draw the pants off anybody. My yeah, I mean, he's got that, you know, the whole uh, Al Williamson. Uh, thing of course, Rosetta. You know, Rosetta, you know, yeah. amazing. Um, Minara, Minara. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, skinny, Mobius. Scary. Mobius drew a great woman too. He he tended to draw them flat chested a lot, but Mobius yeah. Mobius drew a great woman. What great Dude, woman? Sir come on. And I oh drew uh, yeah. yeah Greg Lamb. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh uh, Dave Stevens. Yeah, mm-hmm. Stevens relied on models a lot, though, which is not oh, yeah. a detriment. It's not a detriment. Still had a nice line. Yeah, but my, num- my number two <laughs> is uh, Richard Corbin. 
Oh, Corbin, amazing because he was just—I mean, Corbin was was HD before. Dude, the also by the way, Steve Rude. Morning, Steve you know, Rude can draw some women. Steve Rude, yes, absolutely. Well, Steve Rude—he could draw anything he wants. I like—I I like Eisner's women. Eisner's are really nice too. Yeah, but a little bit, a little bit too goony for my for my taste. But uh, <laughs> but but I mean, like I said, I mean, it's like it's Eisner. It's amazing. Um, uh, the paperback guys I really liked, like McGinnis, Robert McGinnis's women. <sighs> Yeah. That sixties thing. He had them long and lean, but with boobage and uh that it was all on the hairdo with that guy. Hey, I, I think the I think the economy aligned guys, I think Tim Sale and Darwin Cook can draw some sexy, sexy women. Yeah, really fantastic. Who did the book? Was that Tim Sale that did all the like the naughty pictures or whatever the hell? No, was that, that was that was Bruce Tim. And it's for them, it's all about style. It's not it, yeah. it's just Everything is style with the women that they draw. Mm-hmm. So, and the eyes. It's all in the eyes. Uh, drawing women, I mean, God, if I could draw like that, I'd probably never leave my house. <laughs> I would draw pictures of women all day. Hey, look what I did, you know? Like, completely, you know? Uh, one of the newer guys coming up who can draw a, a sexy ass woman is, uh, Steve Mannion. Yeah. True. I wouldn't call him it's, a newer I guy. I actually just well, say that. Well, new, yeah. new-ish, right? And uh when he wants to, uh the goon, what the hell, um Eric oh, Eric Powell. Eric Powell could draw a good woman. Yeah, uh, I mean if we're gonna go modern we gotta throw props to Art Adams too then. Oh yeah. Uh, Ryan oh, Suck. Art, you know what Art Adams is Suki Suki now. Yeah. He can really draw sexy women. Uh, he, yeah, he can. Again, he's like uh, his uh, his uh buttocks focus is yeah, and the lips. Well, because it helps with the thin yeah. waist, but yeah. yeah. But he did a series of illustrations where he would take uh, a woman in a spacesuit and throw in all these uh, 50s uh, B-movie sci-fi characters, like the the mutant from uh, This Island yeah. Earth, and he would throw in the saucer man or uh, it yeah. conquered the world. And you have these creatures with this space girl, and they're like, well, I think one of them, somebody's giving her flowers, and she's just, like the spacesuit is painted on her body. It's amazing. I, we should put those on the forum. Well, and, and if we're again, if we're going real modern, we got to give Frank Cho props. Oh, yeah. we got to amazing drawing. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Cho, what, what a what a great artist! And I like Cho. He's kind of like Wally Wood. He's got that little dirty streak in him. Like dirty, he, yeah. He, he, he likes strong naughtiness. Most cartoonists have that dirty streak. I mean, how could they? How can you spend so much time by yourself? You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it, when it really comes down to it, sex is behind almost everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Anything good. Speaking of dirty, yeah. Uh, Tom Sutton drew a great woman. Oh, Sutton! What a great artist! Yeah, he's unsung as well. And and his stuff for. Uh, the Eros line, it's filthy. I mean, one of is the, it? oh my god, one of the books is called Crypt of Cum. Oh, nice. <laughs> they're really, really filthy. And, and, yeah, and ex- they're, they're very rough. There's, there, there's a strong bondage theme to a lot of them. Uh, S&M theme, I mean. Uh, yeah, they're, look, look, look up, um, Tom Sutton and his work for, uh, the Eros line. It, it's really filthy. But I love it. I love Sutton's art. I love the, the way he draws. And uh, while we're on the subject, whenever I go to Sutton, I always branch off into two guys, Boyette and Alex Toth. Alex Toth drew a great woman. Yeah, t- the argument there. It's like, talk about a guy, he doesn't have to draw much, and he gets his point across. I mean, yep. wow. I mean, Toth, is, for many reasons, he drew great women, and he was just, 
Boy, talk about the essence of cartooning. I'm going to do it till I only have to draw one line. You know? <laughs> I'm going to black it out. You figure it out. And it, it worked. It worked really well. Hey, do you guys have that, that, that hardcover from Humanoids, the Eros Gone Wild? No. no. Sounds like I need it. It's a large collection of all the of, of what they consider to be the best Eros stuff. Whoa. It's a large hardcover, and it's fantastic. It's, it's from uh, Humanoids? From Humanoids, yeah. Oh. I don't know why. On it like a bonnet. It promoted as much, but it's, you know, it's... Uh, it was pretty expensive, too, when it came out, right? What's the name of it? Eros Gone Wild. And uh, it had a cover price of eighty nine ninety five. Damn. <laughs> but I got it for like half, you know, or whatever. It was kind of half at, um, at DCBS. And I'm glad I took the shot. But it's just one of those things that's like, it, this thing ain't going down. You know what I mean? I don't. I can't see how the humanoids would print that much. Don't they go out of print all the time? They go out of print. Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah. yeah, their stuff yeah. is... Yeah, it's overpriced, but I'm really glad I have it because it's beautiful. You know, the humanoid stuff, beautiful books. And, um, you know, it's like, I guess check it out and see if somebody's selling it for cheap or something. I doubt it. But it, all that great stuff is there. All those artists are great. It's a nice selection of all the, their, what they consider to be their best stuff. And I have to agree. Cool. Yeah, I, I totally missed this. Was this, was this in previews? Yeah, yeah. Blah. I totally missed it. Passed on it because of the price tag. You know who's good at drawing women too is Robert Crumb in his own way. <laughs> yeah, and really, blah, and everything bulging out and stay true to his his horny vision. Yeah, his is, his is not the traditional uh, <laughs> no. standard of beauty, it's but for him, it, for him, it works though. Yeah. Well, and 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 I mean, I'm not uh, a fan of their work in particular, but I know he's they're they're hum- the rest of you are. Tremendous fans, and and I think a lot of people always always praise their uh, their their choices in drawing women of the uh, brothers Hernandez. Mm. Oh, oh my how, God. how yeah. can we forget that? Yeah, you're right. They draw, yeah. they draw, they draw the, the, the realest yeah. women. Yeah. yeah, they draw. The yeah, and that's probably why I don't like it, but <laughs> but I can understand. It's so sexy. I mean, hi. And, and I'm a huge fan uh, of Terry Moore. I think he can draw some beautiful women too. So, well, yeah. Pen- Penny Centuries in the the universally accepted standard of beauty, right? She's that statuesque blonde with the. Know. You're 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 you already stepped out of my. You've already surpassed my brother Fernando. I mean, what I'm saying is there's there's a lot of variety in their their depiction of women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, Jaime was like, uh, especially Jaime was like the the guy is just amazing, you know, just an amazing cartoonist. Um, would always have the way to to accentuate the reality of you know the real women and still make it sexy, a little pooch. Under the belly, mm-hmm. the gunt, the famous gunt. What's gunt, that? hilarious. <laughs> what that I don't know if I've ever heard the words gunt and sexy in the same sentence. <laughs> way. When you get as old as I am, you start to appreciate the gunt. That is awesome. <laughs> let me just say, well, well, let me just say, you know, here's the real world, but this guy still manages to elevate it to this fantastic thing and the power of, of a cartoonist, you know, and like, and just, I think it's probably, I have to say at one point that this is not just a bunch of guys talking about dirty pictures. We're talking about, yes, we are talking about dirty pictures, but this is a way, this is a huge thing in guys' heads. Women are all the time. And when you see it transferred through a penciler, you're seeing part of yourself. You're seeing their vision. It's like your vision of a woman. It almost beats photographs. 
You know, it's like, why do people keep going back to sexy pictures of women? Because it's really human. It's art, you know. This yeah. is, it doesn't get much better. Well, look at the history of art. Uh, painting, the origins of painting is largely in nudes. Yeah, I mean right. that that was the standard back then. If you were going to paint a woman, more often than not, she was going to be nude. Like especially the the the, the classicists, those guys. That's all they did was paint naked women and Madonnas. But uh, you know, that paid the bills. If the church yeah, exactly. the, the church is going to throw money your way, you're going to paint uh, a Madonna. But then when you're done, you go paint this pudgy chick with a with a goose because yeah. <laughs> that's what you love. <laughs> It's kind of sad that the you know the, the golden age of pinups is is over and you know photographs are obviously you know people want photographs so there's not as much of that only comics comics the last bastion of illustration for, for everything you know thank God for comics man without comics I don't think there'd be much illustration in the world at all mm. you know what I mean those poor bastards like they got nowhere to go um, but I'm a huge fan of of all that that classic pinup arts you know Gil Elvgren Armstrong. Yep. Bowles, um, uh, you know, the famous guy, what's his name? Gil Elvgren. Gil Elvgren, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's so many of them. They were so good. And they were dirty, too. They, they oh, yeah, of course they, they were dirty. They knew just, like Betty Page, they knew just the right amount of dirty to put in yeah. that, that would keep you mm-hmm. coming back. Yeah. A lot of teas. Um, and, you know, it, it's all teas, so it always comes down to the same thing. Sex! Sex, everybody. You know, yeah, but the, the world go around. The sex is never as good as the tease. Well, in most cases. Oh yeah. Nev- no, it never is. That's yeah. why we like art, because yeah. art's the tease. You know, the actual reality of it is like you know, covered with pimples and you know, smells bad and and, <laughs> and weeping boils. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're in love with the person you're having sex with, it's not going to mean as much. As the the image that you had in your head, had in your head leading up to it, the anticipation ah. is what makes us, you know, great. You know, that, that gives you an anticipation. You don't really get to the end. I think that's why I love comics so much. Comics are like ninety percent anticipation. Mm-hmm. And you, you know what I mean? You're right. And I was just thinking about this the other day. One of the the mainstays of comics back in the day made. Their money, and they they made it for decades, selling anticipation. That was the John mm-hmm. the Johnson Smith Company. Oh, they wow. they sold the cheapest, crappiest plastic junk that that didn't work. But damn, if you didn't want everything in their catalog from the way oh. they presented oh, it, right. yeah. you know. And this, they sold anticipation. When you got it, it was like what. Yeah. I, I I ordered a six foot tall skeleton. This is not. <laughs> or where's where's my real working submarine? This is a cardboard box. I know. You know. Like, I spent my whole young life just drooling over that stuff. Yeah. Captain, Captain Company. Well, that's a Captain Company actually came through. Um, a lot of stuff. You know, this stuff in the back. The ads of Johnson Smith. Um, the ads in. You know, the Creepy and Eerie, the Captain Company that sold all that stuff. Like yep. the back, the back to the Creepy and Eerie and plus, you know, uh, anything that was cool. The way they put it together, the antici- anticipation they set up and, and just the crudeness in which, here you go. This yep. is what you want. And you're like, you know something? You're right. I mean, not very sophisticated advertising. Right to the point and directly. I'd love to see. I'd love to be in the, in the office back those days when those guys worked up those ads. I'm sure they didn't think about it nearly as hard as I am. But <laughs> they really 
of course you wanted that stuff. Yeah. So much so that you went back. I went back even after being disappointed with Johnson Smith. I'll, I'll, well, this thing looks so good. Maybe I'll give him another chance. <laughs> you know? And yeah, and you get your flat army men and your, you know, the big submarine that say you could sit in it and find it's just a cardboard thing. And, and uh, even as a kid, you knew somewhere in the back of your mind that these glasses are not really going to enable you to see through clothes. But you know what? The very no. thought of being able to see through clothes. Remember that fantastic picture, that just crudely drawn little comic picture of a guy like looking and seeing the, uh, the silhouette of a naked woman. It was mm-hmm. like, yeah, me for some of that. Yep. I got to send you some links after the show. Plus, I'll have, some it- I'll have some itching powder with that too, and and, and a wasp in a in a fake ice cube. Yep. <laughs> There's always that kid that wants to prank dad with a soap, uh, a cake of soap that's going to turn his face bloody. You know, I, how why, why would you even think of that? You know, but they sold it, and and with some genius guy, and for decades, probably man. in his fifties. You know, probably some guy. Yeah, you know what I think you should do? Fart spray. <laughs> They don't tell you about the beating you're eventually going to get for doing it, but hey, you know what? You can buy it from us. There you go. Ah, you got to love comics. Let's look at the clock on the wall here. What are we working on? Early, baby. Oh, we, we're two hours in already. What else have you guys been reading? You guys, uh, Has everybody read Profit? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, Profit. I have not. Ooh, Christopher. You're going to love it. Yeah. I'm pulled out. Wait, what, what issue do I start in? Nineteen. Uh, one? Oh, the no. first trade. You know, nineteen. Like, yeah. Didn't it start at nineteen, Jason? Uh, I'm not sure. If it. I'm not sure. Something like that. If you get, there's a trade. Uh, I could find out right now. Yeah. There's. There's been what two trades to date? Yeah, two trades. And the first one is like ten bucks. So you know. Yeah, ten bucks. It's, it's not going to break the. And yeah, I think even the second one is fourteen ninety nine. So they're. Not, I gotta say. I gotta say, man. It's like. Get it digital because the trade doesn't do it justice. Uh, it's it, the trade's dark and murky. Yeah, a little dark. Okay, That's happening a lot now with modern comic books. I mean, you know, this stuff is like uh, it's not looking as good. The coloring isn't looking as good on the paper as it is on dig. I hate this. Yeah, oh, well, that's. That's this where is, we're going. Yeah. It's twenty one. Um, the first trade is twenty one through twenty six. Twenty one. Thank you. There you go. Well, you know, you, when you're looking at something backlit, it's it's only going to enhance it. Well, yeah, and how can you be, like, how are you going to keep them down on the farm after they've seen Paris? I mean, backlit comics? <laughs> if someone had told me they had backlit comics when I was eight years old, I would have bought it hook, line, and sinker. True. <laughs> yes, of course. It's hard to go back. Yeah. Uh, except the printing's excellent, and the, the people who are printing it, and Chris knows this very well, all you guys know this, is has got their eye on. You know, like, let's go. Let's, you know, this is printing people. This is not just a set it and forget it thing. Like, fucking work it or you're going to lose it. Right. Uh, they, they're throwing the whole circuits away. by doing it. I mean, one one look at half the trades out there and see what they look like and how murky they look. And it's like somebody's got to do something about this shit. Man. Yeah, it's okay. almost as if they're admitting defeat. Like, they're just, it, go, they're just going through the motions and, and something that they feel they have to do. Well, I fear that's true. Yeah, you know, I, I, I fear. That. <coughs> but the profit stuff, the book is—it's an amazingly cool book. Uh, really, really organic and crazily inventive, um, almost to the point of like you know, it's like you really got to keep up. 
it's it's really old school in that point where it, it, it you know it's like it reminds me of like Kirby stuff. Remember Kirby? There was a while there in Kirby. Well, in all his books, where he just created too much, almost too. Much. I mean, it was enough for me. Yeah, but new guys. From a publisher standpoint is like, what are you doing? Yep. You know, you don't release all these characters in one thing. These guys are on this mad pace. I've only read the first two trades, but I really love it. It's really invented. It does it, have that that uh, willy nilly spirit of of the the Silver Age stuff. It really does. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it all done in the, like a highly Mobius kind of reminiscent, uh, you know, thing. That it's a little boom, you know, reminiscent of Mobius, and it's squirrely and it's shaky and wiggly. You know, it's telling it this grand science fiction story in these wiggly organic terms, which totally beats the pants off any of that Marvel cosmic stuff that's coming out. All that really slick stuff. This is more cosmic in, it, in its squiggliness. Then, and the scope of this book is amazing. Yep. Huge, and- huge things like giant planet people. And, you know, it's like, whoa, anything goes. Um, kudos. It's, it's, it's not a quick read, Chris. Okay. Or it is. I'm telling you, don't read too much into it. I, I think it's one of those books that looks like one of those ones that you have to go, I have to find out what's going on. I think you're supposed to just follow it quick. I think you're supposed to read it quick. Um, that's my, and, and another thing is, who knows, you know, who knows? This book is just weird. It's really weird. Um, the art alone, the story, visual storytelling is worth it. Even if the words weren't there, you would want to follow this visual story. Yeah. So it wins on that. Totally wins. And the weird, and the thing that makes me laugh and really like this thing even more is that these guys that are doing this with this like Farrell Dow, Dalrymple or yeah. these guys are doing this and it's someone else's property. It's not an original. It's like they're putting all these original concepts in someone that's owned by something else and it actually has ties to the image universe. Yep. So I think they're, you know, they're going to bring back Supreme. You know, Supreme's going to rise out of this Mobius story. Um, I, I, and if that happens, it's just going to be fucking great because it's like, oh, you know, a Bronze Age style. Uh, uh, comics, but in this Mobius thing with all this crazy concept, it's just really cool. I can't think of one panel in that book that, I, that I've seen that I haven't gone like, oh, that's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, oh, really good. Cool. And your choice of artists to do the backup story is amazing. They won me over early on with that book with the caravan where they had all these giant creatures strung together. And, uh, Chris, you probably heard us talk about this, but mm-hmm. there, there were platforms off the asses of the creatures in the caravan and as the one in front of it would eat they would shovel the shit and feed the one behind it with the oh shit God. of the thing in mm-hmm. front of it and and it would go through this whole biological chain of creatures and when it came out the the end they would collect it and use it to make stuff like it was valuable it wasn't shit anymore it was valuable and, and it should be noted that this isn't, it's not done for like some sort of sensational gross out effect. The whole universe in this thing is all based on some sort of thing in this universe, in this future. It's about eating, eating whatever you can out of space. So, uh, so food is different. Energy is different. You got to get your energy from wherever you can. If it comes from shit, it comes from shit. Yep. Um, they're always eating. They're always like, I, can, I need more energy. I have to eat something. So whether it's a plan on the planet or, or something that comes out of themselves, the guy's eating something off himself. Yeah, 
Yeah, he's his own arm or something. He's get, a cannibal. Yeah, he does. He he doesn't even think twice about it. If he needs energy, he'll just bite into his you know someone's leg. It's really cool. Yeah. It's and I guarantee you, anybody who's into comics is not going to look at this and go, and not going to read it and go, oh, I didn't fucking understand nothing, so it sucks. It's like, hey, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a worthy endeavor. Yeah, you are correct. Keeps you on your toes. <laughs> you are correct, sir. You are correct, sir. How about that Infinity? You guys reading any of that? Just read Avengers 21 and the new Avengers 11. I'm week. waiting for it Same to be here. done, and then they can tell me whether it's worth it. I don't do <laughs> yeah. events anymore. Oh, oh boy. This is the one. If you're going to do does, one, He does the wrong do. events. He does no. the wrong events, Dave. Hey, I do the events that, that the companies tell me I should read. <laughs> no, That's your problem. That you're going to listen to your but friends. I will say this. This is fucking epic, man. It is. It's, it's, I, dude, I, just I hope tell me when it's over. I read, I, I, I read, I read Avengers today while, um, Renee was at the uh, doctor's office and I'm, I'm, I'm in the waiting room and I'm, I'm reading it and I'm looking at the, the Supreme Intelligence and I'm like, I don't know when that happened. And, and what's cool about Infinity and, and, he, and what, as long as you're reading, Hickman's Avengers books. You, you really do get. You can't. I, I said before, if, if you're reading Infinity, then chances are you're already reading Hickman's Avengers books. So that's fine. So I'm not reading, except for Nova. I'm not really reading any other tie-ins. And I, I could have any other event from any publisher. They would have showed you what happened to to the, the Supreme War in another tie-in. But they they told you this story. In a couple of pages, in a flashback, be, be, due to what Ronan did, and I just thought that that was, for some reason, that just that blew me away. That 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 something like this happened in the actual issue in a flashback without me having to find out that it happened elsewhere. And that's just one thing about that's not even story wise. It's just the story Hickman's telling. I love the way he's telling it, but Infinity itself is just, yeah, no, it's. I, I like that it's it's scratching a different itch for me than Battle of the Atom is doing, and, and I'm enjoying the hell out of that event also. But I, um, no, I think with Hickman doing the Avengers books, and after uh, reading East of West and, and Manhattan Projects, my my opinion on him as as a writer as uh, I've done a complete 180, but. Infinity has just been amazing. Yeah, Christopher. Mm-hmm. When, yes. was, when can you remember the last time you read uh, a comic book that featured characters? That's right. That featured characters huh. you you grew up with that made you stand up and freaking cheer. Like, oh my god, holy shit! Look at this page. There, there, you, when you get to issue four of Infinity, you'll you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It is awesome. If anything, it's it's really should be noted the sophistication of the storytelling is exactly probably exactly, the most yeah. sophisticated Marvel storytelling I've ever seen. I it agree. When you think about the like movies. the Korvac saga and the Kree Skrull War, and again, it gets back to things that were beloved to me as an Avengers fan. That you know, but I think about the the the, the relative it's, lack it's, of complexity in those stories, or even the 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 Infinity Gauntlet and that sort of thing. And then you think about what Hickman's doing here with you know these layers of 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 multi dimensions and the, the the moral ambiguity of having to save our Earth, the, the, you know, forsaking others, and then you have 
all the cosmic, you know, all the, you, you have, you have, it, it's galaxy expansive, it's time expansive, it's dimensional expansive all at once. And yet he's having it, at least thus far, make total sense. And that's oh, fucking hard, dude. That's not easy to do. Very, very hard. And it's like, man, if he, if, and he set himself up, you know, he's the kind of writer, he sets himself so intricate. One mistake and people will dive on him and just eat him up like piranhas yeah, yeah. because you can't make a mistake in this. My only problem with Hickman's stuff Although he really kind of won me over with those last bunch of Fantastic Four issues that he did, uh, the you know that not the last bunch, but the the big the, the big uh, it was like penultimate. It was kind of like the peak of his arc, um, where it got nicely emotional. My only problem with Hickman is that sometimes he seems to sacrifice emotional impact for just form. You know, I, I agree I with that. that. I think that's a very fair. He's one of my favorite writers in comics today, but I think that's a very fair criticism of his. It's like there, there's, I don't feel the tears. It's like, yeah, I know you can't always have it both ways, but sometimes I, you know, I just wish you could just loosen up a little and, and give enough time for the people to shake out emotionally so we could all could say that was an amazingly sophisticated story. Plus people really cried and you know, it's like important. It's important to me. I, I want to know the Avengers as more as just a, like a, a, a bunch of action figures that are set up to play this role. I, you know, I want to believe, you know, and he takes it for granted that people already know that. He's one of these writers that realizes that people have read these stories and read these characters. So he's, he's depending on people's memory to, uh, to up the gravitas, as Wood would say, uh, <laughs> of that moment. But I think I would like it if he poured it on a little bit. Just got a little bit more soap opera in a couple of parts. But that's, yeah, yeah. it's a minor pick on my, you know, what, I don't care for anything. But I, I gotta say, once again, the sophistication of the storytelling is really, really tight. And, uh, man, you know, you gotta read those Avengers books or you're, you know, if you just buy Infinity, forget it. Oh, but, for sure, yeah. Yeah. That just seems like, I don't know, I, I've got a problem. Now, let me ask you guys, cause, cause I haven't read anything about this, but, with everything that's going on with the Avengers and these, you know, parallel universes colliding, do you, do you think this is how they're going to end the Ultimate Universe? I definitely think the days are numbered on the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. Well, no, I, th- that's isn't not that a, where the hunger days are yeah. definitely numbered? But what I'm saying is, is do you think the way that it's ending is going to be that it's us versus them, and we have to destroy the Ultimate Universe to keep the six months? Really going? cool. I love the idea. Call up Hickman. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he listens. Jonathan, I, I, I think the, the the best characters of the Ultimate Universe are going to, because of this whole weakness with the fabric of, of time and space, blah, 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 I think the best characters of the Ultimate Universe will make their way over to ours because right. they're not going to sacrifice everything. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to they're gonna take the, the fruit that's not spoiled and, and throw away the bad stuff. Now, as usual in, in superhero comics, it's the illusion of change is what they want. They don't want real change. You just want to, you know, you don't want to keep all the characters, but, you know, make it look like it destroyed everything. Um, the, uh, uh, true. you know, you got to keep the characters. But, yeah, something big better happen. I mean, big and bigger than that stupid Age of Ultron ending with the, oh, guess the what? The universe will never be the same ever uh-huh. again. Boo. Yeah, but you know what? You bring Galactus in, and that's a good way to go big. You know, because yeah. th- that's Galactus doesn't mean or as surely like to say Golamemnon. But no, I don't. I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think the uh, Galactus has really plagued the Ultimate Universe before. I mean, this is this is the end for them. 
pretty much. Well, we had the they well, had there the, was the, the Warren Ellis, yeah, Galactus, whatever, yeah, the hive exactly. thing, but yeah, high mind, yeah, right. But this is Galactus proper, and right. and, and six one six Galactus, right? And he's wa- and he's tromping around in the Ultimate Universe. It's not yeah. going to end well. And, but you how, know what? How is that Ultimate stuff with Galactus. How is that? Uh, no Galactus? idea. I read the no, first one. It's I I, be, I wasn't armed with enough information to know what the hell was going on on the Ultimate yeah. side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it was it was good enough. Uh, I'm I'm gonna keep reading, but other than that, it it was okay, right? But um, I but like I said, I didn't have the the experience with the Ultimate Universe of the past like five or four years yeah. to get anything out of it. I don't even know they who really, this new Spider-Man really kid slip. is. They really let it slip. Yeah, you know, they did. They really bollocked up the whole Ultimate thing. Yeah, they're you know. Marvel finally had their Earth two, and they blew it. I don't know. I don't know how did that happen? It started you, off with such great promise. At one time, wasn't um, Ultimate Spider-Man and Ultimates like the top two books for Marvel every time they came out? Yeah, they, they were, were really big. good books. They were really good books. Yeah, they had a way of of keeping the old fans happy and turning new people on at the same time. It almost never happens in comics. Right. Well, I think Dave, too, what happened is is that. You know, the line was created to get away from the continuity that has burdened the main universe. But again, over time, all things have continuity. And right. and ultimately, the ultimate universe had its own continuity that it had to do with. So Yeah, yeah canon is the killer. It yeah. Always yeah. Is, you know, continuity only works for readers in the first four years of them reading comics. And then the, the curtain is revealed that, oh, really? Yes. No one really dies. Oh, well, all the drama's out of it if no one really dies. But um, there we go. We go back. That's what we were talking about before. Sometimes you have to just... I love reset buttons myself. I think reset buttons are fantastic things. If everyone says we agree to forget, that's fine by me. Right. And and that's... I was just going to say about the new 52. That's why we were so filled... We were so excited and so filled with hope... uh, for a true reset, like let's see something different, and and half of their line we got that to a certain extent, but as time went on, they just fell back on old the old same old status quo where you know, wow. and they just tweaked it a little. But we don't want tweak a little. We want let's no. let's revise history. You yes. promised major tweakage, and you gave us nothing. I mean, it's like. There's a, I mean, subpar. It came back subpar. Yeah. It's up and weird. I was really bummed. And, you know, those shows that you guys did when you were following the new 52 mm-hmm. at the beginning, some of my favorite 11 o'clock episodes because you guys were so excited. You were reading books the day they came out. You were like, okay, I just finished the book and here I am. <laughs> you know, it was You're right. really, really yeah. exciting. And uh, that's the way I'd prefer to, to remember the new 52, by the way that you guys talked about it, rather than the way it really is. <laughs> hey, it was a fun first month. It, it was. It, it was yeah. and, but the books that really jonesed us aren't around anymore. Right. You know? Yeah, oh, I know. Gosh, think back to OMAC. OMAC oh, was, well, yeah, I mean, the best of the I, best, I know, right? Saying this, I will say that the only two that I'm currently reading are Batman and Wonder Woman, and they were around, so I still yeah. think those two have held I'll, up. I'll never figure out why those guys would toss... Uh, heritage and like that out the window for something that was subpar. I could see, you know, I could see, but why would you come in with B team? You know, there's something else going on up there that we're not privy to the, you know. Yeah, right? it's true. And, and again, as Chris would call it correctly, it's a corporate thing. People are like, okay, we got a plan. It's like the plan to invade Iran. You know, it, it was a plan. We, we used a plan 
So just go and do it and get back to us if it works or not, you know? Yeah. I gotta say, Stormwatch is really good. I, I was, I'm very surprised at how much I enjoy Stormwatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's good stuff in there. I mean, I, it's not like I didn't like, I love Frankenstein. I love the art. Oh, that was great. Yeah, but again, not around, you know? Yeah, no. What are you going to do? And I love do? all that Joe Bennett stuff. When Joe Bennett was doing um, Deathstroke, yeah. that was a kick-ass comic. Yeah. yeah. That was beautiful. That was a really, really – and Joe Bennett's going to do Iron Man now, so I, I'm, I'm interested in going uh, going back and seeing what I, what Joe Bennett had draws on it. But, man, it was him and R.T. Bear, and uh, what a winning combination. I mean, classic. Yeah, we were, uh, we were fortunate enough to receive pages as a gift from that series. Mm-hmm. No. So. Yep. Yeah. From Mr. T. Bear. So. I I think I was one of the only ones that liked Hawkman, but I just. I I read it too. I reread that first trade. It's still real good. It's weird and cool. It's like, you know, I'm one of those guys. I love Hawkman because he looks cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, I keep waiting for someone to really nail it. But I'll stick with it. I mean, I keep looking out. I kind of like the way he's portrayed in the new Justice League, where, the Justice League, where he's just a, a frothing madman. Yeah. You know? But, uh, yeah, I, I like those Hawkmans, too. Hawkman's one of those characters that commands the comic page. I mean, Hawkman looks really cool on the comic page. But yeah. if you ever had to imagine Hawkman in the real world, you would laugh at him. He would Remember? be he would be the most ridiculous-looking guy. <laughs> Uh, it's a human being with feathers. I mean, yeah, and the touch. the goofy painted on eyes and the thing. It's like, what, dude? Get, come on, you're a bird, a dude. A big beak. <laughs> it would look like Flash Gordon, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. All right, people. That's uh, you. You guys want to go to do the uh, in your travels? Should we should Let's we doing this now? Let's make Chris this. Chris gets sleepy. He does. He does. I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised it lasted this long. And Marta's and, actually sitting here next to me. Marta, is that you handy? Oh, oh boy! Uh, w- one thing <laughs> of which you can be sure. I'm mad because I haven't mentioned her. She died. David, saving the best. Stop! Friend. Get out! Out of here! <laughs> Our sponsor doesn't sleep on discounts. No, they don't. They're always deep and always numerous at discount comic book service ccbservice.com where you can get your favorite funny books and collectibles at huge discounts 35 to 75 percent off get them fast get them secure get them pristine and get them delivered right to your door damn it what more do you want and you're getting them cheap you will not find cheaper comics anywhere else rest assured dcbservice.com in your travels Read this last night, and boy, did I have... Well, I didn't read it as much as I experienced it, because there are no words in it. Uh, it is from Jim Woodring, and it is called Fran. It's the, yeah. late, the latest in his uh, Frank awesome. series. Um, it's... Get this. He, he's a madman. It is both a prequel and a sequel to Congress of the Animals. Huh. Uh, Frank finds a projector in a... Uh, Horde of treasure. It's a, it's a, it's an involved story, which I won't get into. But the main thing I want to get across to you is he finds a projector that when worn by an individual shows that person's past. And one of the characters puts the, uh, the, the projector on their heads and you see events that happened before Congress of the Animals. So it's, that's how it's a sequel and a prequel to his last book. It's amazing done in that, 
squiggly uh, sine wave kind of undulating woodring line. It's gorgeous, and it's all pantomime. There are no words in this thing. His reality is so freaking bizarre and so weird. You you experience these books. You don't read them. They 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 speak to you, but it's in a language that you don't understand. It's like uh, a Max Fleischer cartoon. Yeah, it's, it's it's coming it's from surreal and it, cool. amazingly surreal, and it's coming from somewhere you want to live for a long time. You know, it's it's just a strange way I of agree. yeah. I there too, everybody's cute and wiggly and cool. Yeah, and happy mm-hmm. and bucktooth. But yeah. Jim Woodring, Fran, excellent, excellent book from Fanographics. Just came out. Go get it. Next, um, I don't know if. I hope this wasn't my last in your travels, um, but I just finished it up. I can't remember what I what I what I mentioned two weeks ago. Um, nobody pays attention to me, so I'll mention it twice if that's what it comes down to. Um, our our good friend and buddy, uh, Mister Mister Mike Norton, uh, who does amazing stuff, you know, with revival, and uh, I don't is he done? He might be done with uh, it, girl, uh, but. We know about the awesome webcomic he does called Battle Pug, and their Dark Horse put out a great uh, hardcover edition of the the first collection of that. Well, there's now a second hardcover mm-hmm. for Battle Pug Volume Two, and it is even Battle Pugier and more <laughs> awesome. I like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's it, if you um, if you love the first volume, and I can't think of one damn reason in the whole universe why you wouldn't have loved the first volume uh it's it is out with uh volume number two what did you what do you want what what that's your very own battle pug huh oh, okay marta was marta was oh. pointing at the battle pug she not only is um uh are, are are we all oh yeah and he is our neighbor um we are big fans of battle pug but marta's brother is a big fan of battle pug really? so yeah, nice. it's like the only comic that he reads, and wow. we got it for his uh, for his boys, uh, my two nephews, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's neat." And Mike, my uh, my brother in law, actually uh, enjoys it much more than they do. So, um, so anyway, uh, volume two of Battle Pug is out. It's uh, through Dark Horse Comics. You can of course fa- read the uh, uh, the web comic at battlepug.com. I believe, hmm. and uh, and the hardcover is just a mere uh, fourteen ninety nine, and it is worth every penny and then some. I gave you huge props last week, and you probably didn't hear it. Really? Yep. You gave me props for what? Revival. You were right. It's really good, isn't it? It's it it's is. too good. It's almost too good. too good. I don't know if I would describe it. I mean, it has the the what the subhead of. What, rural noir yeah yeah it's not that i mean it's 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 a it's a whacked out kind of horror mystery book but it's so good at what it does mm-hmm. so i yeah, get it. it i love it i get a very strong david lynch vibe from it which is yeah. always good for me yeah. it's it's a little twin peaks it's a little um friday the 13th it's <laughs> You know, it's uh, well, you, you know, it's it's you, got the slasher film. You can take Tim Seeley out of the Grindhouse, but you can't take the Grindhouse out of Tim Seeley. Exactly. Exactly. There's um, there's a lot of a lot of uh, um, you know, B and C slasher film stuff, but yeah, definitely a, a Lynch vibe to it. It, mm-hmm. it has a Twin Peaks um, feel to it. It's it's real. And Mike, I mean, Mike is 
Mike's doing what Mike wants to do in that book. Just the same. It looks very different from Battle Pug. Yeah. And that just shows his, uh, his ability to, to jump across different styles. But Revival, I think, is probably the truest Mike Norton that we've seen. And it's, and it's good. And it makes me mad whenever I look back through other stuff that he's done. And while it's good, uh-huh. it's not Mike. You know, it's, it's Mike doing, Mike's version of John Byrne, or mm-hmm. it's you know Mike right. you know, doing his version of Cliff Chang, or it's Mike doing you know his version of of whoever. Revival is cool because it's Mike being Mike. But right, but you we wouldn't have this Mike being Mike without all that experience under his belt. So yes, that's one way to look at it. Yeah, and and um, I think it's their book. This is the book for Norton and Seeley. Oh yeah, they've been talking about this for years. Yep, there you go. Uh, okay, I realized, I thought about this book today, um, realized I haven't reread it in a while, and, and I'm going too soon, cause I, I downloaded it, uh, to the iPad this afternoon, so I'll be, I don't know if I'll talk about it on the show, because we've all talked about it, we, we, we all enjoyed this, this series, uh, but I'm gonna say go ahead, if you haven't already, read New Frontier by Darwin Cook. Oh, wow! Talking Chris's language right there. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's awesome. Oh, it's, it, an yeah. absolute, it's an absolute joy. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing accomplishment. It's probably one of my top five. Nice I, confession. No, come on, dude. We, we, we will be done. We will be done professionally. I don't you say what you have to <laughs> say. Yeah. 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 I, I don't it. own la, it, la, and la, I've la, never la, read la, it. La 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 la. No. Oh yeah, I don't want to hear that. Wait, what? I don't. I don't have it. I don't. I not understand. I don't know why. Chris, Chris, cue up to not like this. I. I don't. I, I'm I sorry. All of a sudden, <laughs> seriously, I'm coming, Elizabeth. This is insane, dude. It, but it's I not. It's not. Sale on Comicsology every four months. It comes on sale for ninety nine. Fucking hey! Dude. I want the absolute. I want the absolute. Dude, that's come over to my house business. and read it. But yeah, seriously, thank you, bro. What Holy is Christ? Christ. I can't. Oh, what are you talking? I, about? Dude, I'll you fix have, it. You have, <laughs> there is. I can't. Oh my God! The night is small. It's, it's yeah. Vexed. It's next. I'm, Come I'm on, like, let's move on. Jason, <laughs> vexed over here. I'm verklempt. I am verklempt. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. I can't. Travels <laughs> from Castle and Key Publications. Yay! Uh, La Mano del Destino by our good friend and listener, Mr. Jay Gonzo. Um, no doubt. Uh, David and, uh, and, and the other boys have talked about this book, uh, mm-hmm. in the past. Um, I was grateful enough to receive the first three issues. Um, David brought them to my house that I think Jay had sent to him to give to me. Um, the first two issues came out back in 2011, which is actually, I think, back when you guys talked about the book. Mm-hmm. You know, first mm-hmm. came out. Um, it, and, uh, maybe you guys know, I, I don't know the whys and wherefores, but it took, uh, nearly two years for issue number three to come out. Um, but it's out. The good news is it's out. And, and Jay says that at least on his website that he's, he's got a regular schedule worked out. Now we're going to get the, the rest of it, but it is just, you know, we talked about the, you know, what kind of a recurring theme tonight has been the, 
the uh, the romanticism of, of when we first experience comics or, or other things, and and this this touches on that to me in a lot of ways. In that it, uh, you know, it's 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 a story that's very much harkens back to a different era of comics. Yep, in a great way. Um, the the color palette is just is fantastic. Um, his cartooning style again is evocative of a of a of a bygone time. That's it's welcome to see again. Um, it's just unbridled creativity on the page with, uh, you know, it's not, not beholden to any of the sort of the modern tropes. It just is what it is. And it's his love letter to, you know, the luchadors, um, and, and really to, to Kirby comics, you know, it's, the, it's sort of the confluence of those two things. And, uh, like I said, the, the, I'm experiencing the first three issues here all at once. And I just, I'm fiending for more. So I really do hope we don't have to wait another year or two for the rest of it, because that would make me a sad Woodrow. Um, true, but, uh, but it's just wonderful stuff. And again, uh, another little tiny undercurrent, uh, would be that if you're a wrestling fan, which, which I am, uh, that, that, that's like the cherry on top of, of this. I mean, if this is, a, this would be fun to anyone regardless of that. But if you also happen to be a wrestling fan, I think this is, this is just a, a near, nearly perfect, uh, independent comic and, uh, I, and more people need to be aware of this. And I certainly am glad that I am aware of it. And I, I have to thank the creator himself for, for putting the comics in front of me. So me too. on me for not having unearthed this and or bought it on my own volition. Thank so. you, Jay, for, for the issue. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. It's amazing stuff. Luchadors! Yeah. <laughs> I have it in your travels. Can I do you it? Better. You better. You better. Yeah, really quick. Can it be a movie? It's a it, movie. Oh, nice. Sure. All right. It's a documentary, and it's called The Battle Over Citizen Kane. Ooh. And it's the absolute true and astounding story of two American titans battling each other over the years and finally killing each other's careers dead. William Randolph Hearst versus Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Um, awesome. It's an amazing, an absolutely amazing story, and anybody's into just how <laughs> mass media how mass media got to be how it is. Newspapers, comics, everything. You know, you follow the story of these two guys. One, William Randolph Hearst, who was the father of mass media. You know, he owned all the, almost all the papers in the United yeah. States. He's a monster. I mean, an absolute monster, like a king. You know, I control everything. Can stop movies, can stop anything he wants. I'll take out my ads. And then, uh, uh, <clears throat> right along in that, in the same timeline, or most of the same timeline, is Orson Welles. 24 years old, the biggest sensation of his time, the biggest guy ever, media sensation, could do no wrong. You know, made his way up very, very quickly as a, as a, uh, a wonderkind, you know, a, a child prodigy. Directing on Broadway when he's 18, uh, all black cast of Shakespeare, you know, just insane things to do in the 1930s, you know, an all black cast of Shakespeare play. Um, <clears throat> wows the world, brings the United States to, you know, cringing, suicidal, uh, you know, acts with by fooling them to thinking the Martians have actually yeah. invaded on the radio. I mean, people were actually going out and freaking out. Uh, completely punk, a complete art punk, you know, fired from NBC because of that. Gets picked up by Hollywood and given the biggest movie deal ever in the history of Hollywood at that time. You could do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. What does he pick? He picks to do a movie that just attacks and tries to destroy the guy that can destroy him, William Randolph Hearst, for no reason, just to be a punk. And he made Citizen Kane, 
which was about William Randolph Hearst, put in all these insulting, why did this guy do this? But he went at it. He thought his art was going to win, and it didn't. It destroyed his career. William Randolph Hearst destroyed his career, and in a way, the battle and the, the, the press that it got William Randolph Hearst destroyed him later in his career. It's an amazing story, and it, you know, it may sound a little dry for comic book things, but it don't look dry, and it doesn't read dry when you, when you look at it. It's fantastic. I have to see this. Man, you're going to love great. it. And the, the narration is perfect. It's absolutely perfect. It's a real Weisenheimer kind of thing. And they interview all these old news guys, and you get all this great American history, real-time political stuff, but told from the media standpoint, so it's always tasty. It's always lively. Anybody who's a fan of of the stuff that you guys are, you know, you'll pick up on the lingo right away. You know, mm-hmm. they're talking about coffee. They're talking about you know William Randolph Hearst saying things like he was an extremely rich and well-to-do guy. He when he started his newspapers, he took over other newspapers. He just kept going and buying up other newspapers. And he goes, I want to appeal. It's it's very very important for me to appeal to the people's whose mouths moves moves when they read. You know, he's like, he was going for lowest common denominator. This is the beginning of that. He goes, I want, this is what I want to appeal to. You know, we've got to have control. And it's fantastic. He went out and hired all the best staff, stole newspaper reporters. It's a really good look into how newspapers were made. The old pipe smoking guys. He made up the Spanish-American War. You know, he pretty much almost made it up. <laughs> and, you know, he sent Americans to war because he was printing factually incorrect stories. And he was a real power power guy. And it's just, it's a hoot to watch. It's exciting. And it's really American. You know, I mean, the egos on these guys are like way off the chart. Way off the chart. And they're, again, flying by the seat of the pants and making this ship as, shit up as they go along. And the stakes are really high. It's well recommended. Wow, I gotta see this. It's awesome. It sounds. And actually, I think it actually comes included free with the Blu-ray if you buy it, or you could buy it cool. regular DVD, super super cheap on Amazon. Wait, the documentary comes with the Citizen Kane Blu-ray. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm on it. Oh, that's yeah. so neat. Yeah. I mean, like like all like all the best documentaries, it blows the movie away. I mean, you know, it's like the movie is dated, dated now. Hmm? Oh, yeah, but it's nice. still awesome. Well, of course it's awesome. And the, the cinematography is, is absolutely amazing. And considering that cinematography didn't exist, you know, a month before because, right. because it's, he was just forcing everybody to, to do it his way. He always had the, the best guys shooting the movie. The movie itself is unbelievable. But the story of, of the battle, and that, that's why this is a great documentary. It doesn't pretend to be anything in this. It's called The Battle. Over Citizen Kane. It, this is a story about a battle. And these guys didn't give up. And it's like, just picture two boxers punching the living shit out of each other, knowing that their nose is breaking and they're probably giving hemorrhage, but they were just so angry at each other that they didn't stop until they both fell down. Pretty much one guy's career dead and the other guy just died. Hmm. Hmm. Really cool. This documentary sounds like the exact, the inverse of the experience I had this weekend with a movie. Yeah, I saw Iron Man three this weekend. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, it's a train wreck. It is a complete piece of of crap. And you and know, I, there, now, you know, vi- visually, there's some fun stuff that happens. It's not a total. It's not a total failure. Oh, but I fell asleep halfway through. It's it's rough sometimes. It's like a it's, TV episode. If Iron Man had a TV, yeah, show. yeah, exactly. 
yeah. wasn't even like a movie. And, and, like, and, All right, okay. and, and the, the twist was whatever. I mean, Ben Kingsley's a great actor and that was fun, but the whole movie is, I said, how did this thing get made? Who greenlit this script? It's, it's just, it's, it's boring. There's no, there's no high points. The ending is, and I, I don't want to slag on it, but I'm thinking, how, how could, no, really, how could they do so right with Avengers and then follow it up with Iron Man 3, which just like misses the point on every front? Well, I think three, you know, there, there you've got, you know, it's like, how many threes do you remember as being like, it, it's very rare. I mean, you know. House Party it, 3? Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> you know, by the time they're down, down to three, Every, all the sales department. I mean, marketing. I mean again, let, yeah, let's not be too let's not be too heavy handed in our criticism here. Uh, you you say how did it get greenlit? It got greenlit because uh, it fucking made one point two billion dollars globally. Iron Man three did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. there's a lot of people out there that like bad movies. Then. Yeah. Well, well so again, you can you life. can yeah, like, maybe you, maybe you don't realize how how uh, condescending you're coming off, but you're a little bit. I mean, not to mention David just got done talking about how much he enjoyed it a few weeks ago. So. He did. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, so. What did you? Uh, okay. But, but my point is, is that again, it cost $200 million to make and it made 1.2 billion. So wow. I'd say oh. there's probably a whole team of movie studio executives that got fat ass bonuses and oh, about 10 goodness. years added to their contracts for greenlighting that movie. <laughs> so I'd show what the, who, how did they greenlight it? You could say you didn't I, like I it. So I wasn't a huge fan of the movie myself, but, but, uh, I think greenlighting it was probably as smart a decision as a movie studio has ever made. It wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't a bad movie. It reminded me of a TV episode. You know what I mean? It's like here, okay, this is the Tony Stark movie as opposed to Iron Man. Here's the, and I'm sure the agents have a lot to do with this too. It's like, look, we got to get our boy up there without that mask on all the time. Yeah, no, that's you know valid. I mean? There was a lot of Tony Stark in it. There was, yeah, and yeah. that's probably why Renee enjoyed it as much as she did. But no, exactly. I mean, I and that's, it, that's why. You know, yeah. that's why. I, I would have preferred like all shoot 'em ups myself. It's Iron Man running around blowing shit up. Um, you know, the whole time. I mean, for the for the kind of money you spend on a movie like that, it's fine. But you know, it's it's more about uh, you know, this is the movies, people. You know, this uh, this ain't comics. This is the movies. A complete different yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. This well, is Hollywood. Well, I saw two movies this week that uh, probably weren't as as widely widely acclaimed and uh, in the spirit of. By the way, Vince, you didn't talk about a horror comic this week. Um, Five Ghosts is horror comic. What's that? Five, that? Five Ghosts is a horror comic. Oh, really? I don't consider that a horror comic, but... Okay. Wow. Okay. No, I guess... Okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, I hadn't really... I guess I didn't think of it in that way, but... Um, Got Dracula in it. I watched two of George Romero's movies. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, let's just say, uh, you know, George isn't what he used to be. <laughs> he He should have stopped before Buster. Buster was the beginning of the end for him. Uh, what I watch? I watch Diary of the Dead and Land of the Dead. Both horrible. Yeah. Now, to your point, Vince, you were right. I mean, Land of the Dead has a certain charm to it at points because yeah. of the actors involved. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but that's, I mean, like, Leguizamo and Simon Baker and, 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 uh, and, and Dennis, Dennis Hopper. Hopper. Yeah. yeah they're, Dennis they're not, Hopper's they're awesome. not enough to save the film, but, but they made it watchable. They do make the misery endurable. Yeah. But, Survival of the Dead is just a complete. I didn't see that one. That's oh, the it's just I, a complete waste of time. Diary of the Dead was really poor. I mean, it was clearly Romero's way of saying, "Hey, look, we're obsessed with the media and everything," which is all true. But like, he lost all the, he lost all the 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 wit and the the intelligence of his early works, you know, which which made a statement, but yeah, not in a heavy handed way. This was just such a heavy handed statement about 
kids today. You can hear like the old George Romero rattling his his cane. Kids today, yeah, you know, just... right, right. And he's a sixties guy, you know. He's just... Yeah, yeah. Well, he established the precedent of subtext yeah. with the with the original trilogy, Night, uh, Dawn, and Day. That he had to keep that that extra layer going. And after a while, how much can you say? I mean, you said it pretty much all of it with the first three. You know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Like, what, how you gonna, what are you going to do? It's like you know, some. And I know it's ridiculous to 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 take umbrage with with like the rules of 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 a of a horror movie about undead, but it just really bothered me that he he had the, the zombies learning things. Like I I just I mean I know that was the point, like because you know he was trying to like change his own rules, but uh, I just didn't I didn't. No, he started just, that with day. Yeah, I just I wasn't a big fan of it. I'm just not like the idea of a guest guest attendant becoming the ringleader and you know having the, the machine gun and managing to go through the entirety of that. Well, track. you're not zombie. You're not a zombie anymore at that point, right? You're just yeah, exactly. Yourself. Yeah, he was. He was. He was. I mean, he had emotions. Like, right. like traps. It just didn't. It's true. In in day he had uh, Bub remembering things from his old life, which is cool. But to have the guy orchestrate a rebellion in in land, that's crazy. I think he's trying to do a Planet of the Apes thing. He's trying to, you know, he, you know, he's doing like some like full circle thing. Yeah, know? yeah. I can see where he's coming from, but oof. Yeah, it's, it's another one. You got to give him his props for his high points, and then you, you forgive him for. Uh... I'll never, he'll never, he'll never be forgotten for for his right. high. I mean, you know, he was there standing alone when no one else, you know. Oh, speaking of zombies, I've heard that. Uh, that the first couple episodes of Walking Dead this season have actually been pretty good. Yeah, I've actually yeah. quite a bit. I, I thought the last this week's episode was the best episode maybe ever of the, of the series. I really, really. It. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pick it back up, huh? Yeah, yeah. I was watching it over my shoulder when we were playing cards, and I mm-hmm. uh, the thing that made me smile was I saw a zombie get his face pushed through a, a fence. A fence, yeah, which was kind of cool. They're, behind him. Yeah, they're really benefiting from the. The, the success of the show, you know, the, the budget's they clearly increased budget, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, and there's some real gore. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's again, there's Romero escort now of like, you know, zombies just sitting there chomping down on entrails and just, just munching it out and stuff and just, just very, very, just, you know, very, very, uh, overt. That could get me to watch again. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. There you go. Is and the, I also it, think too that it's benefiting from getting so far afield from the comic in terms of the plot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That I'm, I'm like, there's so little other than you know a few of the main characters being analogs of the comic. Now there's so little that's reminiscent of the, of that of what actually happened in the comic that it's it's helping because I'm not like you comparing. Know, yeah. You're not yeah, you're not nitpicking. You're yeah, like, letting, letting them do their job. Yeah, that's smart. Mm-hmm. Is the governor thing over? Well, the governor no. is. Yeah, I mean, we haven't they, seen him. Right. They, I mean, they clearly he's coming back because they they signed him on as a regular cast member. So he'll clearly be back this season, but he has not been back so far. Hmm. All right. I'll, so there you go. I may check it out. We'll see. I'm waiting for the spinoff, too. Yeah, me too. That could be cool. If they do it right, that could be really cool. All new, all different. I, I may all new, all I may jump on early. Yeah. You watching Coven, Vince? I have... Is there three of them released to date? Or the two? The just got, came out today. Oh, then I have two on the on the DVR that I have to watch. I didn't I didn't get into any of it yet, but I cannot wait. If it's if it's half as good as season two, well, <laughs> my goodness. It's so far, much less uh, gory because it's about witches this year. Hmm. 
But Marta uh, liked but, it. Yeah, she but I, I really good. enjoyed it very much. I, I just love the act. The, the actors involved in that are just fantastic. So. A lot of skin. Yeah, in fact, uh, what's her name? The uh, one of the main actresses, the one that uh, the one that played the uh, the trapped the the reporter, the lesbian reporter that was trapped last season. Oh Sarah no! Wilson. Really? You don't like her? Ah, uh, she's okay. I don't want to see her naked. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, she's naked in the second uh, episode. So. I okay. Yeah, there's like, a new chick. I'm look, you're like you're not. Oh, oh like, I'll look. I'll look, but I, you know. Yeah, there's a new chick too that's uh, supposed to be like a um, a, a B list celebrity. That uh, that is quote unquote in rehab, but she's actually at this coven, you know, Ooh. getting trained on how to be a witch, and uh, she's pretty fine too. Cool. Fineness, nice. But you know, this is not a show that takes great pains in being pretty. No, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for being here, and we have to thank our very very special guest, Mr. Dave Windorf, for no for sitting in with us this week. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks, yes. for having, thanks for having us. Thanks for yeah. having you guys having me because, um, you know, I love to talk comics. You know, I love to make people talk that, that can go on and on, you know, to the excruciating. To the break of dawn. To the break of dawn. I mean, it's just, it's something I could just talk about forever. It's just too much fun. Well, I think it's we make, we need to make it a rule that whenever there's an empty slot, Mr. Windorf has to fill it. Awesome. There you go. Call me, dude. I'm ready. Nice. Ready. I'm, I'm filled with ammo. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, I'll do you right. Oh, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. No doubt, son. Thank you very much for being here. Go and get your asses out there and get the new Monster Magnet album because, like, he's going to do us not wrong. He's not going to do you wrong. It's called Last Patrol. It's out there. It's got a great cover. Go get it. What, what more do we need to say? Get uh, the vinyl, it's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, he's been helping about her space. You know, you I love vinyl. Uh, and we'll be back next week, same time, same uh, channel. Go kiss your mother, kiss your father, kiss your kids, and come back here and listen to us. Because yeah. we'll be waiting for you. Why? Bye, we, we love you. Goodbye, everyone. David didn't say call usually say call David. Call David. Someone said call me so I can go to bed because I have to get up and run tomorrow. Oh my oh, god. Call, call Chris so he's he sleepy. It's time to drink. It's time to drink. It's time to drink. Chris said he's sleepy. Chris has to get up. Chris has to get up in five hours to go run.